The Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast is part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. All your pro-freedom podcasts in one place. You can find the Self-Defense Radio Network at sdrn.us. Some of the great shows that you'll see there are the Polite Society podcast, Self-Defense Gun Stories, Gun Freedom Radio, Riding Shotgun with Charlie, and many, many others. Thank you so much for being a listener, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast. As always, I am Rolo the Puerto Rican Pistolero, and I am joined by my beautiful, lovely wife and co-host, Latina Locked and Loaded. How are you doing this evening, my love? Great, and today is actually a very special event. Uh, today is actually our 10-year anniversary. For, uh, since we started dating. <laughs> I don't start count all over again. Just mm-hmm. because we got married, guys. And yes. And you still count. Mm-hmm. So uh, let us know uh, how the audio is coming through out there, everyone. And uh, if you all can hear it uh, and if it sounds good, we're trying something a little bit different today. So hopefully you won't get an echo, but uh, let us know how it sounds on your end. Uh, as always, we've got a nice uh, action-packed episode uh, today we are going to be discussing the upcoming gun control laws that are coming through the House of Representatives and uh, Congress right now. Uh, there are many. Uh, I know that we've talked about H.R. 127 in the past, but uh, we've got many more, including uh, H.R. Let's see what we've got. We've got H.R. 8, H.R. 1446, H.R. 1454, H.R. 1457, Senate Bill 529. And uh, we'll even talk a little bit about H.R. 1, which doesn't have to do with gun control, but uh, it's pretty scary itself. Uh, So uh, we will go after that. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. If you guys have never heard of that, it should be interesting. Um, Rules for Radicals is pretty much the playbook that all uh, leftist act uh, leftist activists use uh, these days to uh, you know basically uh, protest and try to push and leverage what they want uh, so we'll look into that uh, go over what those rules for radicals are and see if there's anything that we can glean from them either are there any tactics that we can use obviously morally because we see how the left uh, uses immoral tactics uh, or at least can we learn them so we know what we're, what we're seeing when, uh, when they're used against us. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun. And then we will close the show with uh, the first half of Article 1, Section 1 of, the Const- uh, of Article 1 of the Constitution. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And as always, the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast is part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. All your pro-freedom podcasts in one place. Like Riding Shotgun with Charlie, Gun Freedom Radio, Self-Defense Gun Stories, and many, many more. So without further ado, let's get started, Joe. Uh, Joe's been, Joe and I have been doing a lot of research on these uh, so that we can bring them here to you. And we also will be going over a list of Republicans that uh, appear to have uh, sided with the Democrats, including, unfortunately, many from our uh, great state of Florida. So... Let them have it, Joe. Let's see what we got. All right, so let's start with um, the two. Well, we did list a bunch of them, but the majority of the ones that we just mentioned in passing haven't actually, like, the the writing hasn't been released yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So all we have is titles. Um, I guess it would be easier just to go over those first. Yeah, let's go over those, and then we can go through the big ones. So So, I got 1454, 1477, uh, 
And then you gave me one more, 520. Yes. Let's go over 1454. Okay. It is titled, To Amend Title 18, United States Code to Require Firearm Assembly Kits to be Considered Firearms. For those that don't know, U.S. Code 18, uh, it's actually U.S. Code 18, uh, Part 1, Chapter 44, defines what a firearm is. And in paragraph 3, the term firearm means A, any weapon, including a starter gun, which will or is designed to or may readily be converted to expel a projectile by the action of an explosive, B, the frame or receiver of any such weapon, and C, any firearm muffler or firearm silencer, or D, any destructive device. Such term does not include an antique firearm. So I'm guessing that they will be changing uh, B under that, the frame or receiver of any such weapon. So based on that definition, a firearm assembly kit would uh, not be considered a weapon, any precursors or anything like that. Uh, we have seen a... Uh, uh, I believe that California has a similar bill or law that's already in place or that they want to pass where they discuss firearm and, and firearm precursors. So uh, it seems like they're trying, they will most likely, uh, I don't know the California bill, but if we can find that out, I would guess that this uh, HR 1454 is probably going to emulate uh, the law that's, um, that so I've 80% seen in California. So 80% lawyers are not... Uh uh, I don't, I, I don't believe they are. Uh, I would, I wouldn't think so, but somebody else can clarify that uh, for me uh, since we're kind of focusing on the federal, but yeah. this would definitely affect presumably 80% lowers and anything like that. Next up, we have 1477 HR 1477 says to modernize the undetectable firearms act of 1988. Ooh. So what do you think that this will, uh, target? Um, I think that's going to target 3d printing. Yes. To be completely honest, and they're so-called ghost guns. Yep. So that's this would be the ghost, the uh, so-called ghost gun bill. So uh, for those of you that aren't familiar or that haven't watched this before, ghost guns are basically a term that's you know been kind of coined by the media at this point, a scary term like they do like assault weapons and anything else to basically uh, designate any homemade firearm that obviously is not serialized or registered. Uh, with the federal government, either through an FFL or any other means. So it's not illegal to build your own firearm as long as you don't sell it to anybody else. Um, so this would obviously change that. Uh, there aren't any details yet, but presumably they would either try to put restrictions on 3D printed firearms, uh, possibly make it mandatory that if you build a firearm in your home, uh, you obviously would need to register or serialize that, which I mean, this this would be a totally unenforceable law if they pass this, in my opinion. I mean, yes, in the sense of you, it's not going to stop you from making them. Yeah. But it would stop you from being able to use them in public. Use, them, you know, obviously not an ideal. Mm -hmm. So obviously we don't want this to pass. Yeah. Um, especially since we have. A really cool event coming up. We've mentioned it before. Mm -hmm. It's the uh, Makers Match. Yes. In... Coming up. It's going to be an ancient city shooting range up in uh, St. Augustine, Florida. And I believe it's going to be on June 19th. Uh, so. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Yep. June 19th. So it'll be interesting if such a bill were to get passed before something like that. But Hopefully uh, it won't. Yeah. Then that would be very awkward. Yes. And then uh, we've got Senate Bill 529. 
So Senate Bill 529 is actually very similar to something that's going to be voted on in the House this week. So I kind of feel like this is redundant. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, obviously I can't tell from just the title. But I feel like uh, this is going to be redundant. S uh, S five two nine is a bill to require a background check for every firearm sale. Mm-hmm. Now that's going to bring me right into um, the two that we were going to talk about today, and so I'll explain why this is redundant. So let's start with HR four one four four six. I don't know if it's fourteen forty six or how the heck you pronounce that. I'm calling it fourteen forty six. It's garbage. That's what I call it. Um, they're calling it the Enhanced Background Checks uh, Act of twenty twenty one. So both of these actually uh, are not new. They're recycled. Mm-hmm. They actually um, did appear, I believe, in twenty nineteen. Both of them. Um, they did get some traction, and they got bipartisan support yep the first time around um this one used to be called hr 1112 yes 1112 and then this time around it was basically recycled and given a new number um hr 8 is also one we're going to be discussing was hr 8 in 2019 and it's still hr 8 now um hr 8 has been modified to make it slightly less and slightly less worse <laughs> uh, but it's still not great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did have a very, very stupid clause that I'm going to, um, the original versus the, the current, which I'll go over. So let's go into 1446 first, since it kind of ties into um, S529. Uh, so the enhanced background check of 2021. You might be asking yourself, what does enhanced background mean? Oh, why, do, why could you possibly need an enhanced? Don't we already have this wonderful NIC system that's supposed to be guaranteeing that all the going well well it actually seeks out to close a so-called loophole um it it targets what's called the charleston loophole which isn't really a loophole at all what the charleston loophole is it's a three-day proceed to sale provision that's placed um in the event that let's say you do you fill out your 44 73 at your ffl and three days go by and nothing the fbi still have not you know the NIC system didn't work for some reason they couldn't find you they took too long i don't know you know it's never happened to me so i don't know if that let me know if that sometimes ever happens, that happens to people. yeah sometimes it'll happen if you have like a very generic i was name, gonna say like i have a, i have a pretty unique name you have a pretty unique name mm-hmm. that happens when we you know when you're foreigners yeah we're not john smith so i guess john smith or christopher christopher rodriguez probably has a, a rough time Right? That's a pretty common name. Yeah, you could. Jose Hernandez might have a hard time. Yeah, they could. So let's say you have a really generic name and three days go by and they just fail to finish this background check. So the way it's set up is the FFL then has the option on the third business day um, to proceed with the transfer of the firearm to the, the, the prospective purchaser um, without the background check. So... This might seem bad to someone. Um, why is this, you know, not bad? Um, it's a safety valve that ensures that gun purchasers are not arbitrarily denied their Second Amendment rights. Without this window, I mean, without this three-day provision, the FBI might not even have an incentive to complete these background checks in a timely manner. Um, and it's also supposed the NIC system is is supposed to be instant accurate and fair so that's just making sure we're not going to get jerked around um and you know not taken care of there 
So that's the Charleston loophole they're trying to close. How are they trying to close it is pretty insidious. So that three-day window, they decide to in increase it to a full 10 days. Well, you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's not so bad, right? They're just kind of like giving them a little bit more time to maybe get it to work, you know, just in case mm -hmm. your name is John Smith and, you know, you can't have all those John Smiths running around getting all their, you know, crimes not checked out, you know, because they're probably all criminals. Yep. I don't know. I'm just making this up. Uh, <laughs> they probably aren't. But, you know, you might think it might not be so bad. But remember that this is 10 business days. So it's, it's a little bit more than your traditional, depending on where it falls. Okay. Let's, let's, let's start with one, with that. Um, mm -hmm. And then let's say the previous one was you run out of three days and boom, the FFL has the choice. Okay. You go, buddy, you know, they, they didn't, they timed out. You can have your gun now. Well, this time they don't have that option. Now you no longer have that. The, um, the prospective firearm owner has to petition the FBI of course, for an additional, uh, t to have it run again, uh, or an additional 10-day window. Um, so now you're looking at 20 business days. You're waiting 20 business days potentially for your, for the, you know, your background check to run. That's four weeks. Mm -hmm. Remember, 20 business days, that's four weeks. The way the NICS system is, uh, works is that it's, it's only good, a background check is only good for yep. 30 days. So basically, if they really wanted to jerk us around, which honestly, I wouldn't put it past them at this point, it would make everybody's stuff get super delayed, super mm -hmm. delayed. Oh, there we go. It's at the 30-day mark. Yeah, you got to start over from scratch. Yep. You heard me right. They can make you wait 10 days make you petition for another 10 days, you're now at the 20 day business day, then you basically are right at that 30 day mark, possibly depending on when it fell on, and then you get hosed and have to start from square one. There's no safety valve, you literally can go in circles, never getting your gun, and I wouldn't put it past them. Man. So that's that. Um, I don't know who is supporting that in the house i know um we know we know that republicans are supporting one or 1446 or hr8 i was um john crump let me know which republicans i'm not sure I which think bill it's they're hr8 in. that they're supporting i i think so but 1446 and h and hr8 are close enough that i think republicans would cave because the real insidious thing about this isn't just what it does but how easy this will be for people to accept because one of the unfortunate things that we have on, let's just go with the, we know that for the most part, well, as far as politicians, the Democrats are completely against the Second Amendment. Many Republicans are not pro-Second Amendment. They just pay us lip service. So what a bill like this does, because it doesn't ban anything, it doesn't get rid of your firearms or anything like that, is it gives them an excuse to say that they're doing something and it's something that they can pass because unfortunately, I'm sure that you guys have seen this. I certainly have. I know I have run into a ton of gun owners that are not, not leftists, not Democrats or anything like that. And they are completely okay with background checks and the expansion of background checks because they're like, well, I've never done anything wrong. So it's totally okay if they investigate me because it's going to be, you know, they're not going to find anything. So if I got to wait a couple more days, no big deal. 
But again, like many of you in the chat are saying, a right delayed is a right denied. So this is a an insidious way to be able to push uh, enhanced uh, background checks and eventually combined with HR8, which would basically, I believe HR8 is you have to get background uh, checks on don't everything. Don't steal my thunder. <laughs> I want to get to HR8 so, in my time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, I so. just wanted to point out that I can't open the tab. I keep getting an error conveniently on congress.gov. But it does, this bill has, uh, was introduced by James Clyburn, mm -hmm. Democrat of South Carolina, District 6. Um, and it has 91 co-sponsors. Um, I want to say some of them are Cannot guarantee that. I just know there's a whole bunch of Republicans that are doing all kinds of uh, supporting of gun control. Yep. So they I will get back to you and I will, um, if that page, if that tab ever opens up for me, it's not working for you. Uh, if you scroll down, it'll show you the bill itself. No, I can see the bill, but I don't know. The co-signers, um, they're all in the first paragraph, I think, but. That's not 91 names. Uh, no, no. That's that's whoever signed on to it initially. I think the 91 later on is basically saying who who uh, agrees with it and basically said they're going to vote. Anyway, I believe so the GOA I'll get back to you. I'm having technical difficulties uh, checking out who the 91 co-sponsors are so I can uh, denigrate any Republicans who are participating. But I do have the list from the post that I made the other day. So it doesn't really matter which bill they're supporting. These are the eight Republicans that we know that are supporting uh, either H.R. 8 or 1446. Irrelevant which one they're supporting, they're supporting gun control, and that's really all that matters. So we've got Vern Buchanan. He's from Florida District 16. Mario Diaz-Balart. Unfortunately, he's just south of us down in Miami-Dade County. He's a Florida 25. And he's a shame because he is of Cuban heritage. His parents are from Cuba, and he should know from his history, his personal family mm -hmm. history, that a dictator taking away your gun rights is the first step to losing your freedom. So yep. that is a shame to me. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's embarrassing. And, and uh, honestly, we have to, we got to do more to get these guys out. Unfortunately for us, Mario Diaz-Balart has run unopposed. He's a, he's uh, an institution in Miami. Yeah. Okay? He has run unopposed That's in his why... district for, for more than a decade. Yeah. Um, Brian Fitzpatrick, uh, Pennsylvania one, William Hurd, Texas 23, Peter King, <laughs> well, we know he's, he's always in on this stuff. Uh, New York two, Brian Mast, another one that I believe that he voted for impeachment. Uh, he's in Florida 18, Chris Smith, New Jersey four, and Fred Upton, Michigan six. So whether these guys are, you know, represent you and your district or in your state doesn't matter. Uh, go to their websites, check out uh, congress.gov. You can find uh, directories to everybody there and light up their phone lines, send them emails. There's, uh, um, I know uh, GOA has actually set up letters, prefab letters. Yes. You go to their website. Um, I will try to drop a link mm -hmm. if I find it between now and the end of the show. I'll drop the link in the chat, in the live chat. And if anybody's watching this later, I will probably try to put it in the comments section of this video. Mm -hmm. Um. So GOA has uh, a prefab kind of letter thing where you basically, you know, just put in your representative or your senator, whoever. Mm -hmm. and I think they have it for each um, bill. So yep. please do that because clearly uh, some of these people don't, who are supposed to be on a certain side, feel that 
their constituents don't have a problem with this. So um, please let them know otherwise. So. Yep. Um, let's go down the, the bill. I think you covered basically everything up until Section 3, the GAO reports. So let's just read the bills. They're not very long, so we can actually read the entire thing. So go down to like page 5. You want me to read it? Yeah, go down to page five and let's uh, do that. So section three, you already went through the uh, 30 days that you can petition if it lapses and then it has to reset. So section three is GAO reports. So that's government, go account- there? Yeah, government accountability office reports. Can't find it. Oh, it's uh, page. Oh, section three. Yeah. Okay, uh, within 90 days after the end of each of the one year, three year and five year periods that begin with the effective date of this act, the com- Comptroller General of the United States shall prepare and sub- submit to the Committee on the Judiciary of the House of Representatives and the Committee of the Judiciary written report and analyzing the extent to which during the respective period, paragraphs, why am I reading this? Blank, blah, blah, have prevented firearms from being transferred to prohibited persons, which report shall include but not be limited to the following. An assessment of the overall implementation of such subsections, including a description of the challenges faced in the implementing such paragraphs, and two, an aggregate description of firearm purchase delays and denials, and an aggregate analysis of the petitions submitted pursuant to such paragraphs. Not a fan of legalese. Uh, <laughs> section four re- reports on petitions supporting firearm transfers not immediately approved by NIC system that were not responded to in a timely manner. The director of the FBI shall make an annual report to the public on the number of petitions received by the National Instant Cr- the NIC system uh, established under Section 103 of the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act that were submitted pursuant to subclass 1 of Section blah 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 skip 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 with respect to which a determination was not made within the 10-day period referred to Two in subclass two. So they're going to give us a report at the end of the year. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah. Section five, report to the Congress. Within 150 days after the date of the enactment of this act, the Attorney General, in consultation with the National Resource Center on Domestic Violence, really? Yeah. And firearms shall submit to the Congress a report analyzing the effects, if any, of this act on the safety of victims of domestic violence. I'm sorry. Hold on. So are you... Yes. Wow. Okay, so... So, but here's the problem. So the delay, if, if you they know, they've find... already found cases where people were delayed. And, you know, I, I just read one on uh, NRA, I, uh, ILA, they had a case where um, in New Jersey, um, 2015, Carol Bound of Berlin, New Jersey was murdered by her ex-boyfriend after waiting more than 40 days for a firearm permit. Clear example of how that could happen. So basically, if you delay, this is a clear example of why this is a bad idea. If you keep delaying things and someone needs it for their protection, you could essentially just... I mean, that person's going to die. Well, this is is the excuse that they always like to use. They always like to say, well, you know, we want to prevent somebody that is going to spontaneously go buy buy a gun and then use it right away. act of passion, of course. But But this is different. They never look at, well, okay, so... You think that you're going to prevent crimes, but how many crimes are you allowing to happen because you disallow people from being able to defend themselves? There's a difference between a pat, like an, uh, uh, you know, we already have a wait period, okay? You don't need to add to it because it's already like people aren't running rampant 
committing pa- crimes of passion. Yeah. Okay. There's a wait period. It's fine. It's it's there's a purpose to it. Yep. You don't need to add a month to this to potentially kill somebody. Yep. Plus, we know, you know, how do criminals obtain their guns illegally? Usually, by unfortunately, in many cases, it's true that. Gun, that, gun owners get their guns stolen. The thing that, that but, pisses me off is in the end of this, they are even bringing up the possibility of this being af- affecting, you know, domestic violence uh, victims. Yeah. Okay. They're clearly saying, well, we're going to make a report to see if any victims were, you know, were affected by this. He, well, Here's the question. Will they release the report if the numbers don't work out the way that they want them to? <laughs> I, I think a report can just, you know, is like, what is the purpose of a report if people are already dead? Congratulations. Yeah. Well, it's just so that they've got numbers and then they can say like, oh, look, it's helping or, you know, things like that. So hmm. I would, anyway, um, report on domestic violence, people on the safety of victims of domestic violence, domestic abuse, dating, partner violence, sexual assault and stalking, and whether any further amendments to the background check process, including amendments to the conditions must be met under this act for a firearm to be transferred when the system has not notified the licensee that such transfer would not violate subsection blah, 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 and would likely result in a reduction in the risk of death or great bodily harm to victims of domestic violence, domestic abuse, dating, partner violence, sexual... Are they actually implying that it would reduce the risk of domestic violence yes because one of the tactics that moms uh, demand action use is that they always like to say that the likelihood of a domestic violence victim uh, to be murdered or injured increases with a firearm in the home but that's a very misleading thing to say because that's like saying well if you have a pool in your house you're more likely to drown of course if something exists you are more likely to interact with it. But that doesn't say is the act of violence was... See, they say... They they always say that... uh, I believe that the words that they use are there's more likely to be violence if the gun is in the home, but they don't actually say that the gun is used in the violence. So it could be a person was assaulted, but there was a firearm in the home, but the firearm was not used in that assault, but they'll still say, oh, firearm was present, so the gun was bad. And it's like, well, but that wasn't even what the tool used in this crime. So that's what they do. They, you know, they try to conflate all these things. They make it emotional. And really, we, we need to start going in reverse. And there are many advocates out there that are effective in this, uh, with this kind of stuff. And that's what we need to do. Um, Mom at Arms, she dominates at this. Uh, if you don't follow her on Instagram, you should. Uh, she's part of the Virginia DC Project, I believe. Uh, and she's she's fantastic. She posts some of the best, uh, basically, counter arguments against Mom's Demand Action that I've seen. So give her a follow, repost her stuff. She's absolutely savage against the left and Shannon Watts. Um, and she always goes, uh, goes down this path and basically debunks all their garbage. So... I like Anthony's comment in the chat. Tom's girlfriend is having a birthday. His girlfriend needs a gift. Tom helps her get a firearm. Be like Tom. Tom's (laughs) a great boyfriend. Tom is a great boyfriend. All right. So am I ready to move on? Oh, did I actually finish reading it? I didn't. Sorry. Mm -hmm. So G-Webs. I just uh, just fell off the track because I got so mad about that domestic violence thing. G-Webs G-Webs has another good one. So if a murderer goes home, he is still a murderer and he has a gun. Still a murderer. Murderer happens. All gun owners are potential murderers. They use this bad logic to create their their position. Well, I mean, it's the same thing that they do with with race and all that stuff nowadays too, right? 
So if you're a gun owner, you're a white supremacist. Or if you're a white supremacist, you must own guns. Uh, you know, funny, funny that the other day, actually, I was on Twitter and, and I confronted this person who said that if you're a Trump supporter, no matter what, you're a white supremacist. And the funny thing was that everybody that commented your comment, we were all black and Hispanic. And we're like, so are we, are, if we voted for Trump, are we white supremacists? And she said, yeah, you all are white supremacists and you're and, race traitors. And, and race, race traitors. And she was a white woman you. that told me and, this. And, and <laughs> yes, that, that's the biggest irony of all. A, a white person calling a minority person a white a supremacist. Name, yeah. A white supremacist or calling them names because that's not. Okay, anyway, moving on. Yeah, so I just throw that out there because this is what they do. They throw these crazy things. They project uh, their ideas onto you. And this kind of has to do with what we're going to talk about a little bit later with Saul Alinsky. But we're, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Uh, so, yeah, basically this uh, at the end of 210 days, if this is passed, that's when it will be enacted. So we yep. will have basically seven months to prepare if it is passed. Again, I think that these two bills have a much higher likelihood of passing than HR 127. HR 127 is really bad, but I think it is so bad that the Republicans are just going to filibuster the crap out of it, and they probably won't get any support for that in the Senate. These two bills, unfortunately, I think they can pass these. And I don't understand the Republican Party because when trump was in office essentially the democrats unite against everything that he would try to do and they create a united front the republicans don't do this some people might say well sometimes that's a good thing because you can get some people that are principled which in some cases the republican party is anti-constitutional uh we know that so it's good in those cases when we have a Rand paul a mike lee or a ted cruz break away from the gop and actually be constitutionalist but in many cases, when they need to stand up for the things that they say, they stand up for like the First Amendment and Second Amendment. It's just crickets. And they usually, uh, unless it affects them directly as Republicans in office, they really don't seem to create a united front, at least not for us. So uh, I was scrolling back through the chat to see if Tony, I could find Tony's response about his uh, experience with hot sauce, continuing our conversation from <laughs> last week, the go-to tang. But I ran into, I'd never found it. Um, I ran into Anthony Nunez says, careful with the prefab letters. We were talking about the GOA prefab mm -hmm. letters. Um, edit them. Uh, some change the subject line, add some stuff. Most incumbents make email filters to delete those prefab letters. Yep. Yeah, that's a great idea. Definitely make it your own. Yeah, um, I always try to copy and paste and then change words because they're also, I think those letters are also way too nice sometimes. I think you need to basically tell them that you won't vote for them anymore that you'll invest in in uh, in primaries against them and that essentially yeah you you have to give them some sort of you know basically like we're pissed off and we're not going to uh uh we're not going to stand for this and there's going to be consequences for it and you know the consequence you can say is you know we're not going to vote for you anymore okay and i found it uh tony has not used his gochu chang sauce yet <laughs> he's gonna make he made chili and forgot he bought it to use it so he's gonna make something this week so guys we'll hear about his experience with go-to chang sauce yep. or paste next week i'm sure yep i will hear about it this week tony text me when you get um when you finish cooking that whatever you make next mm -hmm. um and good evening to anybody who just came in uh, that i didn't say good evening to when i was having a meltdown over um the ending part of that bill so i'm going to move on to hr 8 mm -hmm. all right sorry 
years. Oh, uh, yes. ma uh, uh, mandatory carry asked who was brutal against mom's demand action. Uh, uh, mom at arms. Mom at arms. Mom at yeah, arms. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's she's well, uh, she's a beast, and she there, does a lot of there uh, hard work. People at mom. Yeah, they're an organization, but she runs the account. So I, for, I forgot what her name is. I know she's a DC Jill? project. In Virginia. I think it's Jill. Yeah. I'm terrible with names. Sorry. All right. HR 8. Um, this is known as the bipartisan background check bill. It is called bipartisan because this is the one that has seven co-sponsors and three of them are Republican. Mm -hmm. This one, I do know the names of, of them. The um, three Republican co-sponsors are Fred Upton of Michigan, shame on you, Christopher Smith of New Jersey, shame on you, and Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, shame on you as well. Um, if you belong to any of their districts, please make note of those people and never vote for them again. Let's have some real, um, well, I don't even know what's called. We need the anti-statist politicians. Anti -statist I don't politicians. care. I, I don't care what party you're in. If you support the Constitution, that's fine. Uh, fortunately, Democrats don't support the Constitution anymore. And so. I saw we have uh, the Fix for New York, great, um, yes, great podcast in the chat. Hey, what's up? So and yeah. uh, he says, of course, vote Libertarian. The duopoly is a failure. You know what? There might be some great Libertarian. Um, candidates you should definitely check them out in your district and support them and, and try to support changing laws because one of the problems that maj Touré ran into when he ran as a um for in the city of uh, philadelphia as a libertarian was the the party duopolies usually create barriers to entry for third party candidates on purpose they only want the two of them to be able to be uh you know battling it out so i believe it was something like they usually will make it so that if you're a third party, you have to pay higher registration fees. You have to jump through more hoops. You have to prove a lot more, get more signatures to be on the ballot, um, things like that. So even if you don't necessarily have candidates that you might support, if there are any initiatives to lower the barriers to get third party candidates to run in your cities, states, um, uh, counties, things like that, Definitely push for those and look for those things. Or if there's any way that you can push ballot initiatives in some states and, and, and cities and counties, you know, we as individual citizens can submit our own, uh, you know, our own bills that we wanted to vote. You can get signatures and then uh, present it to the legislature. This is something else that we need to do because that's actually a, a, a topic that most people aren't even aware of. That a lot of times they're like, well, why isn't a third party running here? It's like, well, it's cost prohibitive because they have to go through so much more than a regular party on top of not having that financial and uh, institutional power to back them up. So, sorry, I went. No, I'm just uh, enjoying the chat again. Uh, Manny from the Fist uh, for New York. The Libertarians in New York battling Cuomo's unconstitutional threshold qualifications members. He raised it after Larry Sharp broke through, currently awaiting trial. Yeah, there you go. So Upper it's not fist. just Philly. It happens everywhere. So yeah. that's something that we need to look out for. And if you want third-party candidates or independents to be able to run, then you know we have to remove those barriers to entry because that's the only way that we can light the fire under these parties and hope that they can change. They and have to see competition. Anthony Nunez is, uh, tried to run for Libertarian Party of Dade County. Um, they didn't like his stances. Keep, I don't know how to. Uh, I know, look, uh, I know the fix for New York. He loves the Libertarian Party. The Libertarian Party has to get more of a unified front. I think by virtue, it's kind of the problem that the uh, conservative and more, I guess you could say the Libertarian wing of the Republican Party have. It's that 
I think the problem with the Libertarian Party sometimes is that they have the no true Scotsman condition. So a lot of times they're fighting for who is the purest. And you have people who are constitutional libertarians. You have people who are essentially anarcho-capitalists trying to fight over things. You have people who are um, financial libertarians. So they believe in, you know, obviously economic freedom, but they might not be social libertarians. So there are social issues many of which we've seen today that they might not agree. So that's kind of what, it's the same problem that the, the Republican parties have. Um, so it, it's, you need to come up with a unified front. And I think, you know, just pushing for more rights overall is the way to go um, and getting organized. But again, part of it is barriers to entry. There's probably just a lot of people that don't want to run for the Republican, uh, for the Libertarian Party because they're like, we got no shot, even though that's what I believe in. So again, anything that helps third parties or weaken the duopoly is great. So HR8. Before I get into HR8, mm-hmm. I'd just like to take this uh, 20 second break to remind everybody to go ahead and hit that like button, smash it. And if you haven't smashed uh, the subscribe button, go ahead and hit that as well. And while you're doing that, why don't you go ahead and share a link to this wonderful podcast? <laughs> it would help grow our small channel and get more wonderful viewers just like you. Moving on. HR8 is the bipartisan background check bill. I've already denigrated those um, Republicans that I already named for being co-sponsors. Moving on. The purpose of this bill is to eliminate the gun show loophole, I guess. Um, it criminalizes people. Uh, p- people. It criminalizes people. It criminalizes person-to-person transfers of firearms, uh, meaning firearm sales without an FFL uh, and a 4473 and an X system. Check. Um, those... Any sale without those would now be illegal. Uh, For example, if I wanted to sell my gun, let's say I had a high point that I just didn't really like, and I wanted to sell it to my friend Tony, and I knew Tony already had a... This is is the problem why this is, you know... um, If I already know Tony has a concealed carry weapon license, said there, but it's a CCW. Mm -hmm. I know Tony's already gone through the process of being screened because he's a C- he has a CCW. Mm-hmm. In fact, every time that we who have CCWs get, you know, 4473s and Nick's check, it's redundant because we've already been checked out. In mm-hmm. fact, it's we've, this has been a long-standing problem where we feel like it's redundant, waste our time, waste our money because you have to pay for the fee. That's not the point of this bill. But I'm, my saying is, if I want my friend Tony to have my high point, I'm going to sell it to him for 20 bucks because... Well, I was trying to, you know, I was like, hey, just, you know, You're helping him out. Yeah. Helping him out. Guess what? That is now illegal, even though I know Tony has a CCW. That is now illegal. Um, basically eliminates that entirely. Not do that anymore. It has to go through an FFL. You have to have a NYX check. You have to have the 4473. The only exception, the only difference, because this HR8 also existed in 2019, it stayed as HR8. Um, the only difference to change was that the original HR8, you could not even give your gun at the range to your son. That would be illegal. You could get arrested right at the range right there. If I handed my if I spouse and handed my gun to Rolando, shoot, which we interchange our stuff all the time because we're married. I shoot his stuff, he shoots mine. That would be considered from the previous HR8 illegal. And if 
Does it go that deep, like it within it did the household? Last time. Yeah, yes, within it did household. Last wow, household. that's yes, crazy. It did in the last one from yeah. 2019. However, thankfully, someone thought it was silly mm-hmm. because that's silly. So now it has a difference. It does specify with clarity who uh, you can't just say my kin. So I can't be like, "Hey, cuz, um, here you want this high point? Here's 20 bucks." You know, like. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. It has to be very, very specific in that is outlined in this HR bill. Um, HRA bill. It says between spouses, like firearms can be transferred between spouses, between parents and children, between siblings, between aunts, uncles, and their nieces and nephews, or between grandparents and grandkids. So if you're close with your cousin, I'm sorry, you can't sell them your gun. I don't know if on the last AR, HRA you weren't technically allowed to even use their stuff. So I don't know if it still extends to that level of ridiculousness, but it does extend to the ridiculousness of I can no longer, if this passes, I can no longer sell um, a weapon to someone I know very well and I trust. Mm-hmm. I know they have a CCW and I can no longer sell it to my cousin. Now, here's, here's another thing. What does this lead to? Uh, because... How can they enforce having a background check if they don't know who owns guns in the first place? What would you need in order to do that? A registry. Correct. They said that this would lead to a backhanded registry, which is illegal. Of course, because obviously FFLs, when they have firearms, there is a record that they have the firearm. After they sell it, they keep the paperwork for, I believe it's five years. Somebody can correct me. Uh, or however many years. Some states require you to keep it forever. I, I'm not an FFL. So uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know those exact rules. But I know that, you know, there's no way to know. There would be no way to ever verify that the original owner of that gun is the correct owner of that gun or that they ever had it. This is un- completely unenforceable because how would anybody ever know Everybody could lie. Like, I could just give you the gun and you could say, I bought it. And it's like, I lost my receipts. So they have to create a registry in order to do this for it to work. Because it's essentially impossible to enforce this law. Absolutely impossible. I've heard that the ATF already does this on some level. Because the the 4473 was altered. So now that the gun information Mm -hmm. is actually on the same page as your information. So when they're looking through... But they're the supposed, they're, I believe they're supposed to get rid of that information yeah, at some but point. But yeah, I know. I, I think know. that there is a secret registry out there. Um, I believe it because we already know that the government does unconstitutional things. We know that the FBI and the ATF do illegal stuff all the time. We know that uh, federal, federal law enforcement has, you know, done shady things and they use shady tactics all the time. Um, so, uh, you know, it wouldn't put a, it wouldn't put me past them to, you know, do anything like that and to already have a, a de facto registry, so to speak. Um, <laughs> Kathleen Music Lover says, you let Rolando shoot your CZ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> he lets me shoot his Canic. Canic's <laughs> not as nice, though. It's not. Confucius in the chat says, do a personal bill of sale and predate uh, and pre-time. It before, or stamp it? I don't know what that little symbol is. Before these ridiculous, tyrannical laws. You can, but again, there's no point in doing any of this because you, any, you almost don't want any track record of any of the firearms that you own. It's important to keep your serial numbers and all that stuff, but in a way, I almost think that 
for insurance purposes, you could do that or for your own thing if it gets stolen. But at the same time, I'm starting to believe more and more that you just don't want any evidence of any of the firearms that you own on the internet or anything like that. Obviously, look, we take photos. Everybody on social media does that. But if you're not on social media, I don't know. At this point, uh, maybe it's just keep everything on the DL if you want to. I don't know. Or at least certain things. Or, you know, just tell everyone that you only own one firearm. That's it. We all own one firearm. That's it. I only own one firearm, according to Instagram. I've only been photographed with my CZ. I actually got <laughs> rid of a lot of my pictures because I don't trust Instagram anymore. Well, we know that a lot of times I believe that Facebook and Google, uh, they they will, if you don't already do this, you should blank out your serial numbers on all of your firearms if you take the photo. Always. I always either photograph firearms on the side that does not have the serial number or I black out the serial number. So that's just something that I recommend that you do just so that, you know, nobody ever knows. Now I do believe, um, never mind. I, I lost my train of thought there. Let's uh, carry on here. So yeah, that's pretty much the HRA thing. It's basically, as someone said in the chat, it's, the whole point of it is to create registration yeah. and then it's pretending to close the gun show loophole. I, I suspect that what they'll do is that they're going to play stupid. So they'll pass this. Then after a few months or a year, they're going to be like, whoa, well, wait a second. This is not really working because we don't have a record of who owns firearms and what guns they have. So we're going to need to create a national registry. And then if people bought into this and they liked the idea of this, and if the media propaganda wins out, then they'll uh, basically, you know, they'll, they'll go ahead and change it. And who knows how much bipartisan support they may have at that point. So um, I feel like these have a really good chance of passing in the Senate. I'm pretty sure. Well, they only need 51 votes. The Republicans can filibuster, and that's will, will be the only thing. They have enough support in the House. That's a given. Yeah. So it, this is going to come down to basically like Joe Manchin in the Senate, and maybe a couple of other Democrats that are in quote unquote. But my red problem states. is I don't know if enough Republicans will oppose this. Yeah. This because one. Because yeah. the problem is it's the technique of. They start out with something like HR 127, which is this huge monstrous bill of all these terrible things. Yeah. And it's like, oh, gun control, really, really bad. And then it's like, wait, well, we're not going to pass that. But how about, how about I just give you this little, this little bill over here that just gets rid of these loopholes and no one's really going to get upset about that. And mm -hmm. they're like, well, you're right. Those loopholes aren't that great. Let's get rid of them. That's not so bad. No one's going to be that upset. Yep. And that way... We appease the gun control people, and you know it looks like we're working together. Well, this is this is the You're chipping away at yes, and, and this is the critical mistake and what makes the Republican Party so absolutely useless as an opposition party is that they are always so concerned about looking like well we're the good guys we're compromised because again this is going to lead right into uh, the uh, Alinsky rules for radicals. The Republicans make the same the mistake of every time that they somehow think that if they give the Democrats some of what they want, that the Democrats will then be like, oh, look, oh, my God, the Republicans are so great. They, they cooperated with us. Oh, my goodness. Uh, maybe you guys shouldn't demonize. Look, the Republicans, they're really not that bad, guys. We have some differences here and there, but they're stand up people. No. 
what the Democrats will do is you'll get 10 or 20 Republicans that will sign on to this and then they will still demonize you. They will still call you a white supremacist. They will still call you evil. They will still call you a baby killer. They will tell you that you don't care about safety or anything like that. This is what they do. And Republicans never learn. They will always demonize us so we can never play. I don't care. And some Republicans will always use this excuse to, well, if I don't compromise, they're going to pass something worse. Let them do it. Let them pass it. They control all. They control the House. They control the Senate. They control the presidency. Let them pass it. If you cannot stop them, do not even try to help. I would say the Republicans shouldn't even try to water it down. Don't. Let them do it. Don't vote with them at all. And then you can blame them for all of the consequences for everything that they do. There is no point to help them. There is no point in trying to play some good guy stuff. We will always lose, and this is why we have always lost. We have compromised for 200 years, 200 years in this country. From the start, the Second Amendment from the start was always attacked. First, it was that blacks and minorities could not own firearms. Then they started expanding it to everybody else. It has always been the Second Amendment since the day it was ratified has been eroded. There is no compromise left. They have to compromise with us. If they want to pass anything, they need to do it themselves so we can say they did all of it, them. And then we can go to our liberal gun owners which, and we can tell them this was all the Democrats' fault. This is essentially your fault. And yes, I will tell that to liberal gun owners. If you voted for Joe Biden and you voted for any of these Democrats and they pass unopposed, it is partially your fault absolutely your fault and i have no sympathy for that whatsoever now if you didn't vote for biden and you still consider yourself a liberal because let's be honest a liberal is not really a leftist what it is anymore liberals tr believe in expansion of civil rights and in capitalism there's no such thing as a lefty liberal anymore they've taken that term and they've destroyed it so if you consider yourself a liberal you can't vote for the democrat party anymore because they don't stand for, they are, as I said this last week, and Tony looked it up, it's a real word, they are illiberal. That is, the Democrat Party is illiberal. If you vote for them, you vote for racist policies, you vote for gun control, you vote for the erosion of your rights. That is the Democrat Party now. The Republican Party stands for nothing, absolutely nothing. They will not defend us. So at the very least, they might as well do what they always do. Let's do nothing now. So, yes, rant over. You can get HR8 off the screen now. Yes. Unless you want me to read it. Uh, I, I, think, I think we already know. Really, uh, really it is. Again, 210 days after it's passed, it'll give us seven months if it passes. So, what you all need to do is you've got to get on GOA, FPC, uh, you know, donate what you can. Get involved. Really, the most effective thing you can do is to call. Call, calling is more effective than emails. It's more effective than letters. It's more effective than anything else because they will know that you are a real person with a real voice that is really pissed and that's what you need to do. Drinking game. How many times Rolanda can say the word real during the show? <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, let's look at the chat. I do. I feel a lot better after getting that out. It's just this stuff drives me crazy. Absolutely crazy. 
Absolutely. So G-Webs in the chat says, even without a registry, a universal background check increases the perception that firearm ownership is a vice. Yes. Like smoking or drinking and should be regulated since gun ownership is dangerous. Absolutely. So, I totally so agree with that. So here, here's another thing that we can use against the Democrats. So the obviously your right to keep and bear arms is protected under the Constitution. Your right to vote is also protected underneath the Constitution. So why is it that they can impose so many restrictions on the second amendment but you know voter id laws and things like that that's oh that's evil we can't do any of that stuff well you know what if you can infringe on this right why can't you infringe on the other ones and that's what they're always going to do so the mistake that a lot of people make too is well you know guns are totally different than anything else so if they restrict guns they're not going to go after any of the other amendments of course they are because the second amendment is the only one that can physically prevent them from destroying the rest of them so you can kiss your first amendment goodbye after this and you can kiss all the other ones goodbye after they destroy the second amendment because there's not going to be anything you can do why would they have to care about the first amendment and plus we know part of the problem is the Constitution is what it is. It's a piece of paper. It's up to us to protect and defend the Constitution. And these politicians in Washington, D.C. swear an oath to protect and defend the Constitution when they, when they are taken into office. So we need to hold them accountable when it comes to this. And we need to hold them to that standard. But unfortunately, that's what they treat. They treat the Constitution as if it's some old piece of paper that means nothing. And that's why I called Mario Diaz-Balart in my rant today on my IG in Oathbreaker. Yeah, that's what they are. They're Oathbreakers too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the chat has some great stuff in it. Go for uh, it. Let's do it. GWeb says they win each time we do not fight and let their unnecessary infringements continue to pile up. Uh, 3D Printer says Mr. Adamas. Anthony says once you put something on their in internet, it's there forever. Actually, probably true. Um... In case you didn't know, Instagram actually, I think they're telling, like now they're actually telling you that they hang on to something you delete for 30 days, like that's a new thing. But they actually technically hang on to any photo that you deleted previously um, for 90 days. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I, uh, Mike White. And that's if they actually do it. Mike White uh, brings in the chat, some things I'm liberal on, some things I'm conservative, so what am I? Well, it depends on what you're your politically homeless is. and it's OK to be like that. I'm like that, too. I was actually we were talking about this um, earlier today when I asked him to define the, the definition of classic liberal. And I actually think I am a classic. Liberal. Well, I, I would argue that almost anybody that is a that believes in freedom in the Constitution, you're actually a class what is called a classical liberal, which means that you believe in the expansion and protection of your civil liberties and rights. And you believe in free market capitalism. That is what a classical liberal is. So I would actually argue most people that consider themselves conservatives or Republicans are actually classical liberals. And I would actually argue that a lot of people who consider themselves Democrats for the last few decades are probably true liberals themselves. Can you get rid of HR8 from the screen? Yes. Uh, the, uh, nowadays, I would say... Democrats aren't liberals anymore. At least the party is not a liberal party anymore. It is a progressive left-wing party. That's what it is. And that's why so many people are, are, uh, are politically homeless right now. And that's also why, if you look back at the 2016 election, why so many Democrat voters that voted for Barack Obama voted for uh, President, uh, former President Trump because they were actual liberals. 
They wanted to see the free market expanded. They didn't believe in restrictions in the free market the way that they uh, that the progressive wing of the Democrat Party has moved. Uh, they didn't believe in restrictions on freedom of speech, which is a, a restriction on civil liberties and rights. They didn't believe a lot of these uh, bills that are being passed right now. So many of them jumped ship and they voted for Donald Trump because he was a populist candidate that basically espoused a lot of liberal or I, I call it like 90s Democrat um, policies. Now that part, the party doesn't believe in any of that anymore. So I think, again, a lot of people are homeless because the Republican Party does nothing. The Democrat Party is illiberal. And that's kind of where we are right now. I think the best tactic is to try to take the Republican Party and co-opt it because it's a weak party right now. And I think we can primary a lot of people and take it over. Um, it might be easier than trying to boost up the Libertarian Party, but I think both tactics are valid. I think we have to try to take over the Republican Party from within and use that as, a, you know, basically a Trojan horse of freedom and the constitutionalism while also trying to boost the Libertarian Party as a viable third party. And then maybe we can destroy the Democrat Party and, and end up with the Republican Party and the Libertarian Party and have two pro-freedom parties instead and have one that's just more free than the other, <laughs> which I wouldn't complain about. But uh, yeah, it's just, it. look, the Democrat Party is liberal today the same way that the Chinese, uh, the, the CCP is communist. They're like neo-communism now. They, they don't believe in equality and all the things that communists say they believe in. They believe in totalitarianism and power and control. That's what essentially what they are. So as our good friends, uh, Maj Chouré and Ron DeMary always say, it really is about statism versus anti-statism. Do you believe in a in a central authority having all power over your life? If you do, then you're a statist. If you're against that and you're against the government having power over everything, then you're an anti-statist. That's probably better than Democrat or Republican. And to go down to, again, a conservative, conservative just means that you want to conserve the values. So conserve the constitution, conserve the founding principles. That's kind of what it is. I believe Woodrow Wilson actually uses an insult and that's kind of where the term came from uh, in some ways that, oh, we are progressives. We want to continue to progress society. These people over here, they only believe in conserving the past. They're old fuddy-duddies that don't want to move forward. And so that's kind of where the terms got conflated and pushed around. So, but nowadays, I mean, do the conservatives, do the, does the Republican Party conserve anything? I don't think they do. And are the liberals, and is the Democrat Party liberal? No, they're not. So I would almost argue that neither party is actually what they're told. So conservatism and libertarianism and liberalism doesn't even really exist within both parties anymore. So you can consider yourself a conservative and a liberal and not consider yourself a Republican or a Democrat as far as I'm concerned. Because I would say vote on the... Vote on your, yeah, vote on the principles that mean the most to you. I was, was going to say vote on the candidates because yeah. there are certain candidates that I don't care if they're libertarian and I don't care if they're Republican. Um, I just find them to be excellent candidates. Mm -hmm. So, and then some people, obviously the opposite. So uh, I wanted to say a couple more things in the chat. Mike White says, my wife tells me that I shouldn't even be talking about guns on here. Um, what guns? <laughs> Well, I think, I think we can't, I, I think we have to be careful. You don't want to discourage, if we all go into the closet, then they can do whatever they want. If we're all out in the open and we show a, a positive culture, uh, you know, a positive culture 
with the Second Amendment as one of its uh, tenets and principles, then that's a good PR campaign. So really what we have to do is work on good PR. And uh, Jill from Mom at Arms actually kind of made a good point about this. And I'm sure that this was a comment that pissed a lot of people off. She essentially said that if all you ever do is just show off your guns, you're not necessarily doing much for the Second Amendment. You're just showing off your guns. And it just shows people that that's all that you care about. And so I love, look, I love pages that only show off guns. I think that not everybody, again, what is the term that we use all the time, Johanna, that we are a minority within a minority? That gun owners are not the majority of the country. Well, they might be, they might be, or, you know, or whatever. Uh, but within the sect of gun owners, even further than that, you have gun enthusiasts, which is a much smaller percentage than overall gun owners. Then you have people who are actually Second Amendment advocates and activists or people that support the Second Amendment, not just guns and gun ownership, not like the fun part of guns, but actually the right to keep and bear arms. So these are all things that we've got to work on. So if you do, we need to start your friends that are only into guns and not the Second Amendment, those are the people we have to start educating too because the vast majority of gun owners are not advocates for their Second Amendment rights. Um, a lot of them will accept expanded background checks. A lot of them will accept magazine restrictions. A lot of them will accept assault weapons bans, uh, assault weapons bans, and all of that. So that is something that we need to work on within our ranks on top of trying to get these new gun owners who are motivated by somewhat different reasons than you know previous gun owners and gun enthusiasts um we got to work on both it's going to be a two-front approach um and this is kind of something that i was talking about the other day i believe it was um i think i made a post on it i'm not sure but yeah we have to work on both of those groups we have to work on the existing gun community and turn them into a second amendment community. You can see and, this. And, I mean, uh, get the new people to know that the second amendment is part of gun ownership from the start. Absolutely. You can definitely visually see this, what he's talking about this phenomenon. If you go to Instagram, because apparently the gun community is big on Instagram. And the reason why is because guns are like cars. It's a visual sense, medium, it's a yeah. visual media and mm -hmm. it's very fun to watch, fun to look at. Um, I love to look at pretty guns and guns and mm -hmm. just what it is. That's what Instagram is for. Um, go to the biggest gun page you'll find. You'll probably see uh, girls with boobies and butts out and guns. And even if it's not that, maybe it's just a bro, a bro vet. And he's got a bunch of guns and he's got like his night vision stuff. And he's like shooting and being super tactical and cool. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's super cool. But... Literally hundreds of thousands, or at least dozens of thousands per account followers. Then you go to, I'm picking on Tony tonight, and you go to Tony's page. One of the people who does so much work. Somebody I admire greatly. And I think everyone in this chat would say that they admire greatly. And compare the 100,000 followers for the TNA gun club versus Tony actually has a pretty good numbers. I don't know what his numbers are, but just it's just not f like what why? Why are the people who are super into, you know, watching someone do um, you know, a machine gun dump, although granted, I will 
watch that. I will enjoy it. It's entertaining. But why is that not person that person not also subscribe to and tune into what's going on with gun control? Mm -hmm. Why don't they care? They don't care. The majority of gun owners do not care. Newsflash. That might be news to some people. Yeah. Some people might say that's not true. But you can see it on how many people are actually tuned in, following, paying attention, donating, working, acting, volunteering, writing letters, calling. It is a minority. Mm-hmm. Yep. That needs to change. And unfortunately, how do we change that? It's hard to change people. How do you get people to care? Yep. Well, and I think part of a problem is too that we've created a society that thinks that clicking on likes and doing the virtue signaling thing and it's like, yeah, I did it. I sent some money and I did all this stuff. I voted and that's enough. Like, that's it. I liked, I liked the campaign and I reposted it. That does help. You know, don't get me wrong. But no, you that's, even, the word, but... that's even the people who are even paying attention yeah, for Orlando. They'll course. be posting and they're liking. And those are the few people that are even caring to follow yeah. and pay attention and, you know, be in, in touch with what GOA is saying, what FPC is saying, what, you know, what John Crump likes to post out, you know, yeah. like. That's still the minority. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The majority of people just log in to look at cool guns and that's it. Well, and it, this is a this is a, a societal change that I think we have to change in gun stores too, because a lot of gun stores they're apolitical, and I understand why they would be because they want to serve everybody. But I think you have to be honest, and I think more gun stores need to do more. Like they should post some of these laws. Like if you come in, they should say, "Hey, HR blah 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 is going to get passed. It's it's in the house right now. If this happens, this is how this is going to affect our business, and it will affect you as a consumer." And I think that that's a public service announcement. And that would be another powerful way to do that. Because again, we're seeing numbers and demographics of people purchasing guns in the past year that are people that have never uh, never been a part of this community historically. Um, we have huge numbers of minority gun owners. I believe that uh, black women in particular is the fastest, one of the growing, fastest demographic growing demographic. Of new gun owners. So we America. need to do so much more to get people like that into this community and to have a positive experience and to learn because they're going to the gun store. A lot of people are already frustrated. Wow, I can't buy ammunition. Then you tell them, well, you know, they, they might want to add an ammunition tax or they're going to put limits on magazines. That can get some people upset. But when you tell them, guess what? The NIC system has been inundated for the past year. I don't know how bad it is now, but a few months ago when I went to pick up my TCR-22, I got lucky. The FFL said it's probably going to be at least until tomorrow. For whatever reason, I guess I just bought so many guns in such a short period of time. My background check literally came back instantaneously. They're like, oh, as soon as I filled it out, I was ready. I was like, well, you know what? Got to wait until tomorrow. No big deal. But all of a sudden, boom, 10 seconds later, ready to go. He's like, well, you're good to go. I was like, well, I guess the FBI knows that I bought a ton of guns and I haven't done anything. So, <laughs> but for a lot of other people, we heard the complaints. I had to wait forever. Things were out. Well, now it's going to be even worse. And it's going to be exacerbated because as these things get passed, especially we've gotten that seven-month period that they say before it would be uh, in effect, people are going to go crazy. If you think things are bad now, I think 2021, every month, unless there is a supply chain issue with 
actual hardware, so actual firearms. I know with ammo, that's not going away anytime soon. Um, uh, you know, uh, what was I saying? I lost. You my know the thought. thing. The thing. You know the thing. I'm turning like to. I'm turning to Joe Biden over here. You know, but you know, you know the, the thing. Uh, <laughs> it's because you're Hispanic. I know. You know. I go crazy. I start thinking ahead of where I'm actually no, at. I'm, I was my... making fun of. Never yeah, mind. <laughs> anyway. But uh, yeah, that's how it is. Uh, I love the chat today. It's awesome. Yes, you guys are doing great. Someone just said something that I really wanted to bring up, and then I scrolled past it, and I can't find it now. No, it was about minarchism. Somebody wanted to know more about it, um, and somebody was recommending looking it up. What minarchism? Yes, mandatory carry recommended to Mike White. Uh, there's um, Eric July. Yes, Eric is July is a fantastic. Amazing podcaster. He has a video discussing minarchism. Mm -hmm. um, what is his Young Ripa 59? Young Ripa 59 is his YouTube if, channel. Don't go now because you're watching us. <laughs> but after the show or later, yeah. go to Young Ripa 59. And um, I don't know what the title is. Probably just look up minarchism mm -hmm. and uh, watch a video he has on that. He's excellent at explaining it and he believes in it. Uh, yeah. Go Statue. Good evening, sir. Uh, what else? Atomic Bull says the Atom Democrat Party today is neo-Bolshevik. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty true. Yeah. Can't say it's not, not wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, and they have all new tactics because of technology now. So there are some parallels with the past, but we also have to know we're in uncharted territory because in the past, the left had to use much more, the far left would use much more violence and coercion. So communist revolutions, you'd see that all the time. The Chinese Cultural Revolution, millions of people died with that. Here in the U.S., I don't know how it will play out if it ever does. Obviously, we're under different circumstances because no matter what, we do have so many firearms. So some sort of cultural revolution like in China, I don't think we'll see an exact parallel like that. But what they will do is that they will try to humiliate you and basically what I call digitally assassinate you. So they will try to destroy you online and destroy your livelihood, which is cancel culture ultimately. Maj for president, says Mr. Greg T. Here, here, I second that. I think Maj is awesome. We've, uh, we've been very lucky to be able to hang out with him a, a few times and have great conversations with him, and he's definitely somebody that... Uh, that By the way, so, I mean, I don't think respect. he's... He's not advertising this yet because it's still several months away, but, you know, plane tickets, if you got them months away, they're cheaper. Uh, the Solutionary Summit will be in September. Mm -hmm. So if he's got dates up... I don't think he does, but keep an eye out for yeah, that because be we here. got to miss it last year. Unfortunately, it was my fault. Rolando wanted to go. I cock blocked. But anyway, <laughs> not this year. We're going to go this year. And it's even better because it's in Miami. So I'm really excited for that. And it's going to be in September, just in time for my birthday. Um, yes, we saw him at CPAC and he was awesome. I love that. Uh, I love Sunny Johnson. She's amazing, too. She's an utter beast. Yeah. If you haven't listened to Sonny Johnson talk about um, trying to, I guess you could say, convert the Republican Party and actually make hold them up to their conservative ideals and go into the inner city, she's one of the best. So definitely recommend. She has a show on Sirius XM. Um, that's kind of the only unfortunate thing. But if you can ever listen to her in she other uh, forms. She used to have a podcast off of that. She did, but I think Breitbart News and SiriusXM were like, no, you got to make money for us because yeah. you work for us. So, 
Uh, Anthony Nunez says, all around me, I see a lot of people not believing in the state for their protection anymore. So many people ask about buying guns, getting trained. That's wonderful, especially since I think you live in South Florida, Anthony. Mm -hmm. That's great news. I mean, I, I concur. I, I second that as well from what I'm seeing around me. And it's irrelevant. Is that a word? Irrelevant of political party. I know people. Who, irrespective. Of, irrespective. Sorry. Yeah. English is very much my second language. Um, so yeah, so it doesn't matter what political party they are. I've I've you know helped along and 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 witnessed quite a bunch of new gun owners in this generally liberal area. So that's making me have some kind of hope for the potential of the future with gun owners standing up. And the more people we have um, believing in this, the more people we'll have opposing the gun control that is happening. Yep. Uh. Mr. Randy in the chat says, Mario Diaz Basket, <laughs> I think you mean Ballard, I think that was autocorrect, is a traitor, has gone against Mar Marjorie Green, has gone against guns, climate change, he's a rhino, will never vote for him, the commie left will stab us in the face, men stab us in the back. Absolutely, uh, Mario Diaz can bleep bleep bleep. <laughs> uh, da -da 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 -da. You guys have been awesome today. Mm-hmm. I watch the show because it's nice to see a young couple so passionate about our rights and willing to step up. It's because we're passionate about each other. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, it that's true. <laughs> we are passionate about one another, but like, like we kidding. said, for those of you that joined in late, this is actually our 10 year anniversary. This is our 10 year we, anniversary, guys. This is started, how much uh, we love the show and doing the show that we spent our 10 year anniversary evening hanging out with you guys. Mm -hmm. So. Um, so we appreciate all of you. You know how it is. No, no, uh, neither rain nor sleet nor dark. Uh, neither rain nor snow nor sleet nor dark of night can stop us from doing the show. Mike it's says you should run for office. I definitely would not because I'm terrible with speaking. Clearly, you know the difference between. I'm more of a writer. London's definitely the speaker. He could probably be a politician. I would be. I would be. I would probably come off on camera like AOC. Let's be realistic because I would freeze in front of the camera and sound dumb. My no. IQ drops. 10 points at least in front of a camera, I swear. <laughs> That's ridiculous. No, I think <laughs> the real anxiety. I think the real problem is that um, I'd probably get too disgusted and I'd feel very discouraged. Um, if you're anyone like, uh, let's say, like Lauren Boebert or anybody like that that's outspoken, they will freeze you out of committees, which if you know, uh, when it comes to Congress, being on committees and being able to actually submit and write bills in that way is really where a representative has a true power. And uh, eventually the party will just take away your funding and you won't be able to run. So if you can do it as an independent, it would be better. I also feel like I would try to expose everybody and that would probably lose me every single ally that I would have. And uh, I don't know, maybe if maybe I'd end up in a random car accident somewhere if I did something like that. So don't I, say that. It's like giving me chills. <laughs> well, that's Greg, why I wouldn't run. But, Mr. Uh, Greg T says, Tony is so good looking, it's intimidating. That's why he is the number one gun bunny in America. It's true. Duh. He's got one of the best t-shirts in, uh, in the Second Amendment community, too. Yes. See my friend Beth. Hey, what's up, Beth? Uh, and now I just locked, lost track of where we were at. Been a while Gotta play some Borderlands 3 again with Beth. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't get to... I really want. Um, by the way, does anybody want to see us play guns and gaming? I feel like. Yes, they do. Okay. And we're going to keep doing okay. it. Okay. Plus, again, guns and gaming is not necessarily 
it's not necessarily for the normal audience. Guns and gaming, the goal of guns and gaming is to try to expand the audience and to get younger people or people who aren't necessarily in the gun community into believing in the Second Amendment and learning more about it, or at least showing a different face um, to the gun community. You know, so it's not like all oh, well, all they care about is guns all the time, and that's all they do. It's like no, we're normal people. You, we guns are a huge part of what we do socially and recreationally, but you know, it's not like I, I don't have a range here. We don't have land. I can't shoot every day and ammo is too expensive to do so anyway. So I got to do other stuff. You know, I like to read books. I like to play video games, watch movies and things like that. So we like to show that. Plus one thing that I've seen, um, one thing that I've seen in the culture war, because again, this is, I, I always mention the culture war and how it's the greater conflict. You know, the second amendment, is a struggle within the culture war, but we have First Amendment issues and obviously our rights. The Constitution itself is being trampled overall. So this is gonna be a multi-pronged attack and we need a lot of allies. And some of those allies are people like Eric July. He's a, he's a staunch believer in the Second Amendment, but guns aren't his thing. He does, uh, he's actually does, he's a musician. He does rap uh, and punk, punk say, rock he doesn't just do rap no no rap awesome, and punk like, rock metal yeah no stuff. he really does almost like metalcore is more of his primary thing but he does he came out with his own freestyle um rap album as well he talks about video games comic books pop culture and then he brings it into the culture war and basically what the progressive left and cancel culture occultists are doing to destroy our rights so allying with people like him there are a lot of other great channels out there i'm actually surprised that how few degrees of separation there are between some of the commentators. Um, I don't know if some of you watch Steven Crowder. Joe's not a huge fan of his because she finds his humor abrasive and annoying, but I think he's actually very important because one of the things that we need to do is start making fun of people that are against our rights. You have to ridicule them. You have to shame them. And I think uh, Crowder is very effective with that, but his producer who goes by the name of quarter black Garrett, because he is one quarter black his grandfather was black. Um, he He's on a lot of gaming podcasts and things like that. And you can see that there is a culture around self-sufficiency, independence, the First Amendment, and those beliefs uh, that is coalescing. And this is the way that we're going to fight going forward in the culture war. And we need to build up those alliances. We were looking at a few other channels today and we're like, wow, they're pretty cool in their beliefs, but they're talking about nerd stuff. And then Joe is the IG investigator and she jumps on people's IGs and checks them out later on. They're like, oh, look, they're at the range. They shoot guns too. I was like, that's great. That's somebody else that's in our wheelhouse that we can try to bring in or interact with. And their audience, which may not have anything against guns, but never thinks about them, never thinks that it's a political issue that they should be advocating for. You can bring them in and be like, oh, check out these guys, the locked and loaded Latinos. They like to, they like to play video games too but their big thing is guns. Let's check out some of their other videos. Let's see what they talk about. And you know what? Maybe they'll only like guns and gaming, but if a few of those people watch the podcast and they're like, you know what? I'm into this too. I want to get into this. That would be totally awesome. And uh, the Kathleen music lover agrees with you that Crowder's totally obnoxious. I don't know what it is about him. I've tried, like I've honestly tried. Uh, he's not I've everyone's cup of tea. Chance. Like I was just like, well, maybe it's something about him. Like I just, I get vibes from people like, um, I read people and it's just like, I don't know, ever since I've saw not my thing. Like, I, I don't find him funny. I find him abrasive. I don't want to watch. <laughs> if he puts it on, like he loves it. 
I have well, to leave the room. I'm like, whatever, I'm leaving the room. It's because, again, I think that he does – what he does is he exposes the left for what they are, and he destroys them. And, he's saying and, it's important. I'll, I'll believe you. That's just not my cup of tea. And I think he's uh, he's not the hero that you want, but he's the one that you need right now. I think that's pretty much what it is. Let's agree to disagree. <laughs> I mean, so, whatever. I'm not going to hate on him. I just I just won't watch him. So uh, um, I think we're ready. We gift to... each other 2011s. Uh, we, we didn't. We actually didn't gift each other anything because yeah. we've just been together for so long. Like, oh, and then I saw some. Well, uh, and one of our says ten years is the ten mm, uh, ten millimeter anniversary. You know, yeah, that you know maybe we should have gotten a ten millimeter. A ten millimeter. Well, you know, if we ever want to go out west, we're gonna need a bear gun. So yes. I mean, we're gonna need a ten millimeter at some point. I do love hiking. Uh, Edgar Antione has appeared in the chat. Welcome, Edgar. Good to see you. Uh, can't wait for is your podcast back yet? I know you've been off for a little bit, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but sometimes I fall asleep, man. I'm sorry. I would love to be on your podcast too. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you and Isaac do a great job and talk about a lot of crazy stuff, and I love it. True story. I love Edgar's podcast, but I can't tell you how many times I've started watching it and then like not. We watch out. in bed and then we fall asleep because we're we're old. old we're, we're old people that fall asleep at like eleven o'clock a lot of times, so. I feel terrible, and then I try to watch it afterwards. I know. Uh, Sorry to all our West Coast people out there. We love a lot of uh, a lot of shows and podcasts that are on the West Coast. It's just so hard. I usually watch it on record, so I apologize that I don't get to watch some of you guys live. And then he says, so. "Yeah, this is what we were talking about last week." Lucas, uh, Lucas T Rex, Lucas T Rhymes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking for recruit more two A people by converting young airsofters into firearm owners and two A kids. Exactly what we were talking about last week. Um, I think that's really really important. Yeah, Lucas. Lucas is awesome. He's also done lectures. Um, I know some people don't necessarily like him sometimes either for whatever reason. Um, I think it's just because he talks at a million miles per hour and he sounds like well he drinks like twenty energy drinks all the time. Like the yeah, dude, gives, the dude has Red me, Bull in like his he bloodstream. He gives me a little bit of anxiety every yeah. time I watch him, but I do like his stuff. I yeah. do like watching his stuff. It's usually very informative, but it's just like a too little bit fast paced. But uh, he's done lectures for colleges. He had a Twitch channel where he used to stream video games and. One of the things now where he was brilliant, if you ever go to his Twitch channel, he has a brilliant introduction um, showing all of his, you know, competition shooting, what he does on the range. So first of all, as soon as you start watching his game streams, boom, totally out there. I'm a gun guy. I got no apologies for it. I'm, I'm surprised he got, hasn't gotten banned on Twitch. I, I so don't know, years maybe. ago, the real reason that we bought well one of these mics um, was that. I wanted to get like we play games, obviously. Hello, yeah. you guys have known this by now, um, and that was before like current events. It was more mm -hmm. like what, like twenty sixteen. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, we could try playing on Twitch together because we play together anyway. And then we would just talk about the th kind of the things that we talk about. And then we here. would talk a little bit of politics to like kind of educate. Mm -hmm. And then we never did it because honestly, we didn't. Yeah, we enjoyed playing by ourselves more. Um, we also didn't live where we live now, where this is a much better setup than, than before. But then so. it got brought up again now that we got into the 2A stuff. We said, hey, we could do it for 2A and go back on Twitch. But then the whole deer thing happened. And if <laughs> you don't people. know what I'm talking about, the deer people, there's a few episodes ago we talked about the deer people on Twitch. But basically, you can't go on Twitch unless you're super woke, and I'm not willing to do that. Yeah. So that's, yeah. They basically have people that identify as animals, <laughs> and they write some of the rules there is absurd as it is. So. so hence why we game on YouTube because as much as everyone complains about YouTube, I mean, we're still here. I mean, and so far so have not been most of the gun struck channels. in. Yeah. So, 
Anyway, so are you ready to talk about Rules for Radicals? Yeah, let's get into it. So before it. anyone gets excited, this is not us saying we support uh, Saul Alinsky. Saul Alinsky's Rule for Radicals. We are trying to educate on it. Um, it actually brought got brought up today. I, I We were talking about it ourselves. And then uh, I think I was I made a comment about a tactic that was being used. Like uh, Nancy Pelosi said um, that conservatives... Uh, what did I say? They they, they use the, the lies in the media. You know that video I showed you mm-hmm. for a second? And then I went, yeah. You said, yeah, that's exactly the same thing. Like, that's the same tactic. It's What they do is that they use... Um, they accuse their, their opponents of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Because the video actually said it was made it seem like she was saying, this is what we do. And in reality, what she was saying is, they do this. Mm-hmm. But she had all the details of everything. Yeah. So... Um, it's very convenient that she happens to know the details of how all the inner workings of, of this supposed tactic. It's more like, no, you guys do this and you're accusing your opposition of that. So there's all these rules that they use and tactics that they use over the years. This is a book from the 70s, I believe. Yes. This has been going on for decades. Um, Kathleen, music lover. Yes, absolutely. Hillary's favorite yeah, book. She, Hillary she, was a disciple of... Well, she wrote Salinsky. her... Yeah, she wrote her... Um... She corresponded with him while she was in law school, and I believe for her PhD, uh, her her thesis, she wrote a uh, ninety-two page. Um, there we go. She wrote a ninety-two page senior thesis. There is only the fight and analysis of the Alinsky model. So, uh, there are some people that say that Barack Obama was inspired by him. Um, I believe that because he was in Chicago. He was a hardcore. He was a progressive uh, leftist community organizer. Uh, so I, I could definitely believe that anybody that's in Chicago politics would look at uh, Saul Alinsky as an example of some of the things to use. And this is really where progressive activism and social justice warrior tactics originated from. So let's look at some of these and let's see what they are and see if you if you find any of these tactics to be familiar and what we can do to counter them or even use some of them to our advantage. Um Sometimes people don't like to do things that the left does, like boycott protests, but those are very effective tactics. And there's something that we need to start using because we've been talking about, again, the culture war and really what's what the difference now today is that we've allowed corporations like Google, Facebook, and uh, other social media companies and tech companies, big tech in general, to amass so much power that they basically almost control the forms of speech. Because nowadays, if you can't put your ideas online in a form where a ton of people can see them, then they may as well not exist. Yeah, you can still go to your print press, print pamphlets out. You can go out on the street and yell at people. But what the internet did was allowed the common man and woman to be able to have a megaphone that billions of people, the entire world could hear. And to lose that capability in the 21st century is like losing your ability to speak, essentially. So it is now more dangerous than ever, uh, these tactics. And, you know, we do need to be willing to use some of them that are not immoral. Obviously, part of the problem is that the left uses immoral tactics. But let's check some of these out. Uh, We'll bring it up on the screen here, and you can see them for yourself. There are 13 rules for radicals. We'll go through each of them right now. Number one, power is not only what you have but what the enemy thinks that you have. Power is derived from two main sources, money and people. Have-nots must build power from flesh and blood. 
So, pretty self-explanatory. We know that you need money and people and manpower in order to achieve anything. Um, this really also goes into sometimes if your enemy thinks that you're more powerful than you are, you can use that as leverage and gain an advantage over them. So a lot of times what the left does nowadays is we believe that they're so powerful because we're afraid of getting canceled. How many times, this was kind of like what we were talking about earlier, should we be afraid to show off that we go in guns or not? No, we should not because that basically gives them more power than they actually have. Anytime that you watch your speech and you're like, man, should I say this or is this going to offend somebody that's woke? Well, if you're not saying something that's actually offensive or racist or mean, you should not be afraid to say it. That doesn't mean don't be an a-hole unnecessarily, but don't be afraid to say that you own guns, that you believe in Second Amendment absolutism, all those things. You shouldn't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid if you voted for Donald Trump, don't be afraid to say that, you know, or anything like that. Or, or if you're a conservative or any of those things, don't be afraid because it gives them more power that they don't already have. Number two, never go outside the expertise of your people. It results in confusion, fear, and retreat. Feeling secure adds to the backbone of anyone. Again, self-explanatory. If you are focused on a topic like the Second Amendment, uh, don't bring in people that know nothing about the Second Amendment and let them speak for you. Unfortunately, a lot of politicians do this. So we have to bring in experts and we have to bring in people that actually advance our cause uh, or at least speak about our cause and they're knowledgeable of it. You don't want fools running around that don't know anything about the history of the Second Amendment and what it means to basically co-opt the uh, the message. By the way, that also goes um, for if you're doing for any reason an interview or if you're being used as a source to talk about a specific topic in the Second Amendment, um, the opposition will usually try to ask you about something different, um, yep. related but different, just to kind of throw you off and catch you off guard. Um, never be afraid to say that's not what I'm here to talk about because that's a tactic. Yep. Yep. They will try to take you off balance. And again, that's actually rule number three. Whenever possible, go outside the expertise of your enemy. Look for ways to increase insecurity, anxiety, and uncertainty. So again, like Joe said, they will try to ask a question that makes you, that throws you off guard. So that's something that we need to do too. So let's say that you're speaking with somebody about gun control and they're going on and on. And you can say, did you know that all gun control laws are, are rooted in racism? That will usually stop the conversation. They'll be like, what, what are you talking about? So throw them off guard, throw curveballs in there, make them confused and start questioning their own beliefs. So, so far, these three first rules are all things that we can use ourselves and that would be very effective. Make the enemy live up to its own book of rules. If the rule is that every letter gets a reply, send 30,000 letters. You can kill them with this because no one can possibly obey all of their rules. So again, this is where we need some flexibility. We are always too concerned about like, well, the left are the ones that boycott people. We can't do that. The left are the ones that protest. We can't do that. No, we need to start doing those things and we can't restrict ourselves so much by, I don't know. It's almost like we have a moral code that's not really based on morality. It's almost like, well, we have to fight honorably. There is no honor and there is no honor in this battlefield right now. They, they, we are fighting against people that have no shame. So at a minimum, we have to be able to use tactics that are going to overwhelm them. You see that with when you saw, I'm not saying I support either party of mm -hmm. this, but you saw that when you saw the, the Proud Boys fighting Antifa 
and Antifa would run away when the police came. And the Proud Boys have a strict rule book of following the laws or, or at least listening to authority. So when the cops would be like, we're going to arrest you, they'd be like, okay. And they would let themselves get arrested. Yeah. It, who really won there? The Antifa guys ran off when, yep. in that situation. And uh, the other guys ended up, you know, getting booked. So clearly having, you know, um, a set of rules is being used against them. Yeah. And your enemy knows those rules, so. It's kind of like how the Joker always exploits Batman because he knows Batman will never kill him. Oh, it's it's kind of like that. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So that is always, ba that's really Batman's only weakness, that he won't actually take out really bad guys unless it's Ben Affleck, then he'll kill everybody in his tank, um, in, his, in his Batmobile. But that's, that's totally different Batman. Um, so, you know, this is something else that we've got to do. Make them live up to their own rules. So again, if use their tactics against them, they call us racist, but it's based on lies. What was Gina Carano's line? Um, don't use lies. Uh, um, don't use. Uh, uh, don't use lies. Don't use the truth if you can't back. Whatever. It was something like that. Um, that basically. I mean, I saw it fifty thousand times know, in the comments today in the in the Star Wars uh, yeah. YouTube channel. It was essentially saying that you know. You can say what you want, but what you say is based on lies. What I say is based on the truth. So they call us bad names based on lies and emotions. We use facts and logic against them and we use the truth. So, uh, yeah, G-Webs has listened to it. Yeah, it's in public domain at this point, so you can get the book Here's for free. the quote. Don't try to ruin my life with lies when yours can be ruined with the truth. Ruth. There you go. Even Great better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... And the Confucius says in the original Batman, he killed his enemies. Well, there you go. They changed that up later on. I guess they wanted to give him some sort of uh, weakness or a moral high ground. But it's essentially the same thing. It's, it's almost like how, you know, we see this in, in conflicts overseas and things like that, you know, where bad guys will use terrible tactics like civilian shields and things like that because they know that we don't want to do bad things or take people out. Um, so that's essentially that's a rule of the left. So. Don't make your don't create such a high a high horse position that you can never get off of that, or that the only way that you can get off is by falling essentially to your doom. You know you don't want to be beholden to that. So be flexible. You, we obviously have a moral code. There are levels that we'll never sink to like the left does, but we do have to have more flexibility and say we shouldn't be ashamed of doing certain things. And if using the truth and going out there and calling these people out. Rather than, hmm, well, I'm just going to stay at home and, and, you know, type on the keyboard and, and, and do that stuff. No, you got to be willing to put some skin in the game. Uh, uh, number, I want to say before you it. say that, Len Holt, I see what you did. I, I see what you did there. And that's what she and Joe did that earlier on her post. too. <laughs> I did that on my post as well. I used that um, as well. I see you. Anyway, <laughs> continue. Uh, number five, ridicule is man's most potent weapon. There is no defense. It's irrational. It's infuriating. It also works as a key pressure point to force the enemy into concessions. Again, they demonize us. They say terrible things. And that is why the Republican Party in particular always caves. Oh, well, we don't want to be called racist. We don't want to be called bigots. We don't want them to tell us that they don't that we don't care about the poor. That's what you got to do. You have to call them out. Just like I said last um, two weeks ago when I went on my tirade, um, call it out. Gun control policies are racist. It is dumb. Why do I like Steven Crowder? Steven Crowder does this all the time. He makes fun of the left and what they do because they are crazy. 
The left is crazy. We saw the laws that we want to do. There's another law that passed uh, a bill that's going through HR1 that wants to federalize the entire election system. That is crazy. The Equality Act that we talked about, absolutely insane. So instead of sometimes arguing against their ideas, make fun of their ideas. Yes, some people will get offended and they don't like it, but most of the people that won't be receptive to that unless you're really mean, they're people that will never come onto our side anyway. So comedy was very effective in order to push political views in the past. Comedians are actually the safety valve for a society. Now we're starting to see comedy die off. A woke comedians are not funny. And a lot of woke uh, comedy tours, the people don't even laugh. They just clap because they're so afraid of telling the truth or telling jokes that might be offensive. No, we need to use those things uh, to, our, to our advantage. So ridicule your enemies. No problem with that, especially if they're doing stupid stuff. If they're doing stupid things, make fun of them. That's the way that it is. Make them feel stupid about it and embarrass them because nobody, it's not cool to be embarrassed or to be made fun of. So people will be like, man, I don't want to hang out with those people. Everybody keeps making fun of them. That's the way that it is. So number six, a good tactic is one that your people enjoy. They'll keep doing it without urging and coming back to do more. They're doing their thing and will suggest even better ones. So if you're going to protest or do things, make it fun. Build a community around it. Make people feel good. What does it, what do these leftist organizations do? A lot of times you see they have money or they make t-shirts. They have a lot of money. They'll give out food. They give out free stuff. They have music and all those things. It may seem stupid, but the bodies are there. They're doing it and they're crushing us. So again, use these tactics. If you want to do a pro-gun rally, make it really fun. You know, show people that you're there having a good time. Make it look positive. So you'll be like, man, I kind of want to hang out with these people because it looks like they're having a great time. I can I can attest to this. In 2019, I went to the 2A uh, National Rally in mm -hmm. D.C. And guess what? I had a great time. Yep. I had a wonderful time. I made friends. And then I went and had food. And then I had cigars with some of these friends. And it was fantastic. Yep. It solidified. And like, I don't know the right word for it, but like, yeah, it made that moment just an experience a memory and like made it awesome yeah and this is where you know uh uh obviously when we rally open carry and all that stuff a lot of times they people see it as an intimidation tactic make it look fun you know yeah i know a lot of guys want to come out and battle rattle and all that stuff that could be a little bit intimidating but if you have a unicorn ar or a rainbow colored ar bring that gun out when you're going to open carry is it tactically sound? No, but a lot of the people that are going to do, uh, you know, are going to look at you and they'll be like, this doesn't look like the crowd of gun owners that I thought. I mean, look, even even the Hawaiian shirts, I know what it represents with uh, with with that sect of our with the community, but it looks totally different than going out in full camo body armor and all this stuff. It's a lot more appealing, even if you're just going to open carry to go out there and be like. I'm going to go out here wearing uh, wearing cool shirts and I'll be strapped with an AR-15 and be like Miami Vice style because people will be like, that's not something I haven't seen before. Like that actually looks kind of fun and cool to do that. So um, subvert be, expectations, do as, different things. I would say it could be as simple as having cool t-shirts. Yeah. You know, like I love the DC Project t-shirts. Like there's just something about them and it's 
fun color. And wear a Tony. Great. If you're going to go to an open carry yeah, rally, wear a Tony. Bubble shirt. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just love fun t-shirts that are just like, they have a good message and they're fun. Like, and they're yeah. just, I don't know, they add something to it. Or so like, like I do. You see, I always try to wear like video game t-shirts or something fun like that on this show or shirts with a message or cool hats. That all, as dumb as it is, I know it sounds very dumb, but we are also trying to appeal to younger generations. And you know how you were when you were young. If you thought something was cool, you wanted to get into it. So that's the way you got to do it. That's how it's got to be. We have to make things cool and look awesome. And uh, G Webb says, for what it's worth, the book is really just these simple rules with a bunch of gross and horrible examples of tactics. Yeah. Uh, Saul Alinsky would talk about using feces and things like that and really humiliating people. So like I said... These are effective tactics as long as we don't use them in an immoral way. And some of it is just knowing now you might be able to see. So it's like, so that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, number seven, a tactic that drags on too long becomes a drag. Pretty self-explanatory. Don't become old news. So don't beat on a dead horse. If you see some change up your tactics every once in a while, maybe you do an open carry rally sometime. Maybe you do a get together at some place and you can have food, food and all this stuff, or you have like a range day and then everybody goes out and has, uh, you know, drinks later on or something like that. And you make it a more social affair or you do a multi-tiered event. Let's say that you can do a, uh, I believe that the Cody Firearm Museum did something like this where they had a video game tournament for Battlefield 1, which is a World War I game, and then they showed off an exhibit of all their World War I guns. Brilliant! Have a shooting a three-gun competition along with a video game tournament, maybe for the younger kids out there that may not be exposed to guns, or you do an event like Tony, which Tony does the second is for everyone. You can have an event like that where it's like, hey, play Call of Duty or Fortnite, get to shoot the guns of Fortnite or Call of Duty and actually get to shoot them in real life. And that would be something awesome. So again, change things up, make it fun, make it appealing, make people want to join you and be like, those dudes are doing some cool stuff. I want to hang out with them. Number eight, keep the pressure on, never let up. Again, never, never give up, never surrender. Keep trying new things to keep the opposition off balance as the opposition masters one approach. Hit them from the flank with something new. If you don't stagnate, if you change tactics, you keep them off guard. They can't stop us every time because then they're going to have to take away things. So what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to get rid of open carry rallies. They're, they're trying to do that in a lot of states where you can't go in their capitals. Happened in Virginia. Michigan's trying to do the same thing. If they haven't already... Um, so, uh, be, be flexible. Again, a lot of this has to do with being flexible. That is why the left, they call themselves the progressives. They like to progress. So in their case, it's a bad thing because they progress at the expense of things that already work, but we can still use different tactics and move along. Uh, number nine, the threat is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. Imagination and ego can dream up many more consequences than any activist. This goes, this goes without saying, um, again, uh, th this is a more difficult one because well, I guess you just want to make sure that people think that you're more effective than you really are. So again, the left is constantly afraid, uh, constantly makes people afraid of being canceled. That's their big thing right now. So maybe the threat has to be that we'll boycott people too, and that we'll stop doing business in certain places if they go against their rights. So if people start becoming afraid that, oh man, these pro-freedom people and gun owners, they're not going to buy our stuff anymore. Cancel that Disney Plus if it bothered you. Don't go to certain places. Don't give them money, especially now. Like I said, 
corporations are more powerful than ever and they're giving money for political causes. So you're essentially, by, by giving money to companies that oppose our rights, you're basically financing the destruction of your rights. And in many cases, we spend a lot more money on streaming services, food, uh, and things like that, clothes, than we do on any of our activism. So when you think about it, you might feel good that you're giving that $25 to $100 to GOA and FPC every year, but if you continue to buy products from companies that want to suppress our rights, Dick's Sporting Goods, Levi's, Disney, uh, uh, companies like that, then essentially you're spending more money to fight against your rights than you are to protect them without thinking about it. So that's something that we have to do. So at least have something to back up what we do. If there is no threat, financial or political, then they're never going to be afraid of us. And that's where you want the fear. We don't necessarily, we don't want fear that the left has, which the, you know, their fear is basically like they're going to hurt us. That's not what we want. In fact, they kind of flip that against us and they always make people fearful of gun owners that we're going to do things. No, you don't want them to be fearful because we have guns. You want them to be fearful because we are a powerful, large voting block that has a lot of economic power. And if you piss us off, we're going to take our business elsewhere and we will make sure that you make a lot less money and you potentially lose out on half the country as, um, as gun owners. So again, that is where our power lies. The power today lies in speech, money, and, uh, and getting the word out. Uh, in the chat, we're making plans to go see the Dragon Man. Oh, who is? <laughs> Confucius and G-Webs and myself, apparently. Oh, you guys are going to go watch Dragon Man? <laughs> no, not watch Dragon Man. Go, go hang out with him? Dragon Man in Colorado. Does though. anybody know Ava? That's her dad, right? So, yeah. Uh, so if you're friends with Ava, then uh, maybe you can give me the hookup. We're going um, to make a trip. Chat and, and, and us are going to go. There you go. Uh, where are we at? Uh, number 10, the major premise for tactics is the development of operations that will maintain constant pressure on the opposition. If, if it is this unceasing pressure that results in the reactions from the opposition that are essential for the, the success of the campaign. Again, one of the problems that we've always had is that as people, I guess you could say conservative voters have always had the problem of that sometimes we're a little bit too trusting, that we feel that, well, if I elect these people or have these people represent me, then they're going to have my best interests in mind. Unfortunately, we've seen that that is not the case. So we constantly have to keep pressure. Anytime that anybody thinks, uh, what is it? What What's the phrase that is etched outside of the National Archives? Eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. So that means we, we can never stop fighting. It sucks, but that's how it is. This is one of their rules. They will never stop pushing their tactics, which means that we can never, their agenda, which means we can never stop fighting. And it sucks because that means we have to put energy in. And again, that's something that freedom-minded folks a lot of times have difficulty with because it's like, man, I work hard all day. I actually bust my butt. I do real work. I put money on the table. I employ people. I create businesses. I do all this stuff. I just don't have time and I shouldn't have to do this because I do the right thing all the time and I'm actually helping society. I'm sorry. They're never going to quit. They don't care. They do not care what you're doing. So that means we always have to fight. We can never give up. It sucks. That's the way that it is. But they will never quit. And that means that we can never stop defending either. G-Web says, are we reading these rules in Espanol tonight? No. <laughs> Mi amigo, solamente vamos a leer la Constitución esta noche. Yes. Pero quizás un día. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, if you push a negative hard enough, it will push through and become a positive. Violence from the other side can win the public to your side because the public sympathizes with the underdog. This is what we saw with uh, Antifa in Portland, things like that. They try to provoke the peace, the police to the point where the police use violence against them, shoot them with tear gas and all that stuff. So they will always try to egg you on to become the victim and to look bad. So that's obviously an effective tactic. So... I mean, I don't want, you don't want to use the victim mentality, but I think sometimes as like minority gun owners, we can be very effective in this because we can accuse them of being racist. We can accuse them of bullying us. And like that woman on Twitter the other day that called me a white supremacist, even though I am Hispanic, she's a racist. She's actually a real racist. So I call her out and you call out people like that. And she got dogpiled by a bunch of black and brown people and she was shamed. So that's what you have to do. By the way, women, you can also use this tactic because gun control is sexist. Yes, absolutely. So yes, sometimes you don't want to play the victim card, but if they're, hey, they are victimizing us to an extent. If they're calling you a racist, if they're calling you bad things, you are the this victim is not, in that. This is not playing the victim card. Yeah. This is them trying to, fighting for your right it's not, because yeah. they're taking it away. They're trying to make you the victim. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just don't ever feel They're like creating you're using the emotion card or the victim card or the race card or the sex card. You are protecting your rights at any means. Think about, think about how, think and of it sometimes. Nothing dishonorable yeah. about that. Well, think about a fight to the death essentially sometimes and i know that may be a little bit of an exaggeration, but they're trying to take away our rights, so they're trying to kill the constitution. So. When you're in a fight to the death, you don't really care what's next to you. If you don't have your gun and you don't have your knife or your pepper spray, you're going to grab whatever you can. You're going to kick the dude where the sun don't shine and you're going to throw sand in their face. That's the way that it is. The left is always going to do this, so we have to be prepared for that. And we got to be ready to throw a little bit of our sand there too. Obviously, their sand is worse because it's made of acid and it'll melt you and it's awful. But at this least we can throw some is sand. Going really weird. <laughs> I know it's because I'm, I'm saying to get again. You back on track. I know. Uh, number twelve: the price of a successful attack is a constructive alternative. Never let the enemy score points because you're caught without a solution to the problem. So, again, this is sometimes something that we're, we have a little bit of an issue with. Now, sometimes with the gun community, this is this is difficult because, well. The left will try to do something like, well, you guys don't want to pass any gun control, so what's your solution to the problem? And a lot of times we might be like, reality is what it is. Like, evil people are here. They're going to do it. So basically, sometimes we're like, it is what it is. And that's the truth. But sometimes we have to give another alternative. So the alternative is trying to do a positive spin. So the alternative is instead of, let's say somebody comes to talk about defunding the police. Well, okay. I'm for defunding the police if you believe in arming the populace and encouraging gun ownership so that people can defend themselves and not have to rely on law enforcement um, and things like that. So that's something that you can try to do. So come up with solutions that are, uh, that are creative that can counter what they want so that you don't look unsympathetic because sometimes when you use only facts and you're dealing with an emotional argument, it looks like you're being harsh. And I know that we don't care because we live in reality, but remember, perception is reality. And if they perceive that you don't care and that you don't have empathy, then that is the truth in their eyes. Human nature likes emotion. And it trumps logic. Yeah. And it trumps logic. Yeah. So, again, 
you may not need it, but understand you have to understand human nature to be able to combat your opponent in debate. Mm-hmm. So, just like we say, facts you don't... have yeah, facts don't care about your mm-hmm. feelings. Yeah, but feelings don't care about facts either. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you have to use. You have to have. You can't be above using what's in your toolbox. And it, you know, we're saying these things. This could be just you having a conversation using these tools. Just you having a conversation with a somebody you know, an acquaintance or something. And the difference of you being able to use these things could be the difference of you convincing them um, that maybe to start thinking a different manner. So it is important because every conversation we have with people is important. Number 13. Number 13. Pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. Cut off the support network and isolate the target from sympathy. This is cancel culture. Cancel culture. culture. This is cancel culture. Yeah. Yeah, go after people and not institutions. People hurt faster than institutions. So we see this all the time. So they won't always attack a company. They'll attack the representatives and try to demonize them and humiliate them. This tactic I don't necessarily like. I think this is one of the more immoral tactics. Yeah, I would not use this one. But but it makes total sense. So while this could be effective in, in some ways, that if you can go after like a Shannon Watts and take out Shannon Watts, you know, if in you destroy way? her credibility, okay. if you can destroy like Shannon Watts' credibility, make her look like a hypocrite, that could be effective. Because if you take, if you make a figurehead toxic, Andrew Cuomo, perfect example of this right now. Andrew Cuomo was the poster boy for the Democrat Party during the uh, pandemic. Now we know that he is exactly the opposite of everything that they've said. He is responsible for th- tens of thousands or, or like 15,000 deaths in these nursing homes in New York, but he was propped as the as the as the um, as the golden boy. So now we should all be going out after Andrew Cuomo and using him to associate with the left. We cannot allow the Democrats to separate themselves from Andrew Cuomo. That's exactly what they're doing because and and they're using. I'm sorry, this no, is no, totally no. side yeah. topic, but um, we all knew about what Andrew Cuomo did. Yeah, last year. Yep. When it happened. Yep. We all knew about it. We were talking about it. Um, the, the weather uh, lady from Fox News. I Janice was re- Dean. Janice Dean mm-hmm. made a big stink about it. Uh, I think she testified about it. Yep. Okay, so it's not like they didn't know. They knew. They were just kind of hiding it under the rug and pretending it didn't matter and pretending it didn't exist but and then propping him up. But then... Because there was loose strings, the Democrats decided to take him out because mm-hmm. they didn't want to take the fall with him yep. for celebrating him, even though he murdered people by doing this And tactic. tried to cover it up. And, yeah. and then covered it up. Yep. In true uh, gangsta fashion, New York gangsta fashion, okay? Yeah. Well, and, and that's, so see this. So, so they took him out. Yeah. The Dems themselves took him out. Well, In my opinion, that's what happened. I don't know if it's true, how it happened, well, but well, that's they took him out with a, something unrelated. Yeah, but Sorry, I know this is unrelated no, to what no, we're talking about. No, 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 about, no, but it, just... no, but it fits because, see, this is where we can use an Andrew Cuomo. So whenever they make mistakes and one of their individuals make mistakes, we can't let them disassociate from those people. 
So anytime that they try to throw away somebody when it's inconvenient for them, you have to be like, no, you supported him. Yes, you You supported him. him. You You backed him up. Here's the tapes. Here are all the videos where you said that this person was doing great stuff for you. So if you ever find beef on Shannon Watson, she's got skeletons in the closet and it comes out, do not let mom's demand action separate themselves from her. They need to own it. This happened to the Lincoln Project where they found out that a few of their leaders were essentially pedophiles and they were grooming children. You cannot, anytime that your enemy exposes themselves to hypocrisy, we may all know, we know Joe Biden is bad. We know what he did. We know his associations with China. We know what he's done with his family to enrich them. So whenever they show that weakness and they start turning a little bit on them, but see, they want to take out Andrew Cuomo for his scandals with women. No, no, no. We need to make sure that he's taken out because of COVID-19. It's not going to happen. But that's only not going to happen because we can't be quiet. So I'm not saying him, his example may not work, but it's up to us. We have to be loud. So whenever they mess up, we have to be relentless. Like uh, Kathleen said, we can't let them basically get away with anything. We have to do what they do. Like Star Wars. Star Wars. Talk about that. What have you seen ever since the Gina Carano thing? Again, this is a different subject. Different subject, but similar. I'll actually bring it up right now. Actually, kind of impressed by because people of this uh, bent tend not to do anything. They tend to kind of just, I don't know, I don't want to say stay quiet, but I feel like they kind of do take it. Um, so the supporters of Gina Carano, um, for those that don't know, she's an actress who uh, played Cara Dune, the Marsh, Mar- the... She's a republic, uh, a republic soldier who became a marshal. Marshal, thank you. Yeah. I couldn't say the word. A marshal in... Um, in the Republic uh, for Star Wars and Mandalorian. I can't speak English tonight. And uh, she was beloved, uh, the character, the actress. Mandalorian obviously did great in terms of um, people watching it. Mm-hmm. It basically revived Disney. It basically revived Disney because Disney was sucking big time. With Star Wars. Uh, with, with Star Wars. The, old, the true fans of the old... Movies did not like the latest trilogy. It kind of flopped, and The Mandalorian kind of revived everything. And then it was, you know, bringing all these great new shows that were going to do a spinoff with Cara Dune because of how beloved she was, and everybody was very excited about it. Well, she has a opinion. She's an opinionated person, and she tweeted whatever she wanted to, and then she got canceled by Disney. Um, and people didn't take it lying down. Kind of Disney kind of felt like. Everything that they've been, like, everything the cancel culture has been doing uh, up until now, in the last couple of years, people have just been taking it. How many times have we seen Mario Lopez got canceled or tried to get canceled because he said something about, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk about what he said, but he said something of his opinion, and then he the had to children can grovel. choose their identity at three years old. Yes. All right. Um, he had to go and grovel. And say, I'm sorry that I said that I didn't mean it. I, I, I have to grow as a person. I don't know if that's exactly what he said, but that's all of their apologies always. So Gina didn't grovel. She basically was like, peace out uh, when they fired her because they gave her the option to grovel. And she said no. Mm-hmm. And then they fired her, got canceled, literally. And the fans, for once, did not just take it lying down. If you go to the Star Wars um, yeah, YouTube I, page, which Rolanda's putting up now, on every one of the Old Republic videos, or sorry, the High Republic videos, the last five at least, 
the uh, dislike count we're on the screen right now is 3.5 thousand dislikes. And, and this is what Disney has actually been, Google has been removing dislikes because I can tell you, I was, was on like this today. I was dislikes. on this one this morning and it was like 10 times that. So they are actively Yeah, look at this removing. one. This one's 25,000 dislikes and look at the comments. Yeah. Gina Carano comments everywhere. So this yes. is an Alinskian tactic right here. Yes. So if you just scroll down, it's just over and over and over again. Don't try to ruin my life with lies when you can, when you can be, yours can be ruined with truth, Gina Carano. And um, actually, I'm, I, I commented myself, but I, I said fire Kathleen Oh, yeah, Kennedy. I did too. Hey, hey, Disney, did you guys fire Kathleen Kennedy yet? How about apologizing for filming in Xinjiang and supporting CCP concentration camps or for hiding Finn on your posters because you were afraid of your bigoted communist overlords? No, what a shame. For people that don't know, Finn was the black character in the... Uh, in the uh, he was a, a stormtrooper that joined the uh, the resistance in the newer trilogy, and he's black, no big deal. But in China, that's a no no. So in China, the Star Wars posters actually have him smaller than they are in the American posters, even where he's the he's same size as everybody. Even though yes, he's one of the three because main characters. They're, they're kowtowing to their racism against yes. black people. And by the way, Marvel did the same exact thing. Yes. during Black Panther. Do you know what they did for Black Panthers? They would not show, uh, yeah. Yes, face. they basically didn't, in, in, the, in the American version of the Black Panther um, poster, movie poster, you have, um, I forgot his name. Chadwick I Boseman. Oh, I was going to say. God rest his soul. God rest his soul, yes. Um, Chadwick Boseman, I was going to say his name in the movie, I forgot his name. T'Challa. T'Challa, I was like, I was mm -hmm. like, something. T'Challa was, um, in his Black Panther suit, from the neck down, he had his mask off, and he was kind of just, like, looking down. It was very, like, very cool, very, like, stoic, like, poster. Um, but you could clearly see his face and his features. So the Chinese version put the mask on him, so you couldn't see that he's black. How is that okay? How is this okay? How is it okay that Disney and Marvel... Here you go. I brought up the photo for anybody that wants to see. So, That's so messed up. This is what they do. This is what they do. So they will pander. So they will come and beat us over the head with that wokeness. That looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, they will come. So and, bad. Yeah, they will come and beat us over the head with wokeness. But then they will go to other countries and they will violate principles that all Americans would agree with. So this is the hypocrisy of a lot of these big businesses, and this is why I believe in boycott on top of other things. I know that this doesn't have to do with guns, but this is freedom of speech and all this stuff, and you can see that Disney is a hypocritical company. Could they have at least put on the actual mask that Black Panther uses? That looks like it was photoshopped hastily. Yeah, That's it, it was terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yep. So yeah, there you go. Uh, that's that's what goes on. So you can see on the Star Wars page, you go to their Twitter account, you go to all of that. They're getting what's called brigaded. And brigaded is when your followers, when essentially brigading typically works when you have two big social media personalities fighting against each other. And then one group of followers will jump onto that other person's social media page and start inundating them with negative comments and talking crap. So essentially Star Wars fans have said, Disney, you suck. Kathleen Kennedy, she's the one that runs Disney Star Wars. You suck for destroying the franchise and for talking about how women in Star Wars, feminism is so important, but you fired the strongest female character that you've ever had because guess what? She shared her opinion like strong people do and you didn't want that, so they fired her. So the hypocrisy and you saw now 
people are using the same leftist tactics. They're jumping on Disney and they're brigading them. That's what we got to do. Does it seem childish? Yes. Is it effective? Absolutely. Absolutely. Star Wars is taking a shellacking right now because you have to see a lot of times when you are when you are a fan of something, people come to you and ask for your opinion. As gun owners, we do the same thing. So how bad is it when somebody comes up to you? Let's talk about Springfield. I wouldn't recommend a Springfield armory firearm to anybody because of the reputation that they have with what they did in Illinois with gun control, uh, with gun laws a few years ago. I sold my Springfield and I gave so, away, uh, threw away my, well, I yeah. think I gave them away to Goodwill, my Springfield hats. I used to love my first gun. Yeah. So how many people out here, because of that mistake that they made now, their reputation is tarnished and people that trust you will come up to you and say, hey, what firearm should I get? I kind of like this Springfield. Don't buy a Springfield. This was what influencers have this. So they're using that with Star Wars. Big fans and nerds are against Star Wars now. So if they're if casual fans come up and they're like, hey, what's the deal with those Star Wars shows? Do you think I should watch New Mandalorian? I'm going to say no. Don't absolutely don't watch that because Disney is anti-free speech. Now, yes, corporations can do whatever they want. But again, do you want to support a corporation that's anti-free speech, that invests in politicians that want to suppress our rights, and that funds a regime that is so evil we have not seen the likes of it since World War II? And I would actually argue that that the the, uh, the uh, what happened in World War II, they put up rookie numbers compared to what the Chinese Communist Party has done. So what it was it? Almost uh, nine million people died during the Holocaust. Like 20 million people died during the Chinese Cultural Revolution and like 50 million died from starvation during the Great Leap Forward. Not to mention how many, how many people died in the gulags in the Soviet Union. So communism and far leftism, number one record of all time. It's got the highest kill count of all. So, you know, just, just food for thought. You know, we need to start... We need to start thinking this way and we need to start putting pressure on companies that suppress our rights. And also, whoever the newest writers are at Marvel and Disney uh, and, and Star Wars, they stink. Because oh, yeah. WandaVision, uh, we got to see what the, the wrap up and, and it switch. was terrible. <laughs> I'm so mad that they did that. But at the same time, I'm actually glad because I'm not missing anything. Mm -hmm. I got so upset at how bad the the writing was, the 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 you know what what ended up happening but i'm like you know what i'm glad i canceled disney plus at first i had been upset i would have been pissed off if i had been watching week by week that show only to find out that's what you did that's and the direction that they're gonna go they're, the they're, they're marvel's gonna, go. gonna become and woke same now. thing with uh star wars like it just it's gonna go it's not good it's for every for every positive thing they did with the mandalorian it's against their instincts and it's against what anything Kathleen Kennedy anything wants, so. that favreau is not doing himself is terrible. Yep. Uh, Kathleen, music lover, says Mao created the Red Guard and killed millions. Yes, he did. When Mao was starting to lose power in the Communist Party, he encouraged. Do not watch WandaVision. Do not. I'm not just saying that because of the whole Disney Plus thing. I'm saying that because of what they ended up doing. It they, was, seemed really interesting up until what they like. It seemed like it was going to be fantastic. We're like, all these theories it was going to be amazing. Oh my god, are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? And then what they ended up doing was terrible. Like, if, it was so, like, really? That's what you did? Oh, yeah. Come on. If you see something, something that's very popular in Hollywood nowadays, 
and it's extremely popular with what we've been seeing with Disney is what's called subverting expectations, which subverting expectations can be fine. It means basically like, whoa, I didn't think I did not expect that to happen. But what Disney has started to do, and particularly in Marvel and Star Wars, is that they don't just subvert expectations. They make you think one thing and then they throw it in your face and they say, ha, you weren't just wrong. We made you think that it was true. And then we said, F you. And that's essentially what they did in WandaVision. They made it seem like something was going to go on. And then they said, oh, yeah, yeah, these people that you saw, they don't even really exist. And they're not the characters that you thought. But we wanted to make you think that they were. Basically, we're referring to No, it. I don't no. want to spoil it. Okay. I don't want to spoil it for anybody in case they do want to watch it. Don't watch it. But, um, don't watch it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to piss you off. Yeah. But Star Wars did that like by killing Han Solo right away. I know that Harrison Ford didn't want to be Han Solo, but that was subverting expectations. Uh, making Luke Skywalker this feeble feeble loser of a, of a man living on a, as a hermit, that was subverting expectations in a negative way. So that's a term that you might start hearing in entertainment, subverting expectations. Or that Ray was the second movie that oh, yeah, wasn't uh, anyone. Yeah. yeah. Her J- family wasn't anyone yeah. after they built up that it was going to be someone. Yeah. So and, and then they were going to, that wasn't like they, they just like did a just kidding thing in the third one. It was that people, they saw people get pissed off at that arc and they had to go, well, well we were just kidding. She really is Palpatine's granddaughter. Yeah. Well, because J.J. Abrams set up episode seven to make Ray have a legacy. And then Ryan Johnson came in and he's like, I'm the king of subverting expectations. So I'm going to subvert every single expectation in this movie and single handedly destroy Star Wars. So how did we end up here? This is this is the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast, Joe. This could end up anywhere at any moment. That's how we do things. But where it's going to end up right now is in the Constitution corner i like that transition if you like if you like this maybe you'll like my next segue to my merch (laughs) as linus detective says one of my favorite channels he is the best at like uh throwing sponsors in speaking of sponsors we have none however (laughs) if you'd like to support us please go to the section of information on our uh video and it'll tell you how to support the locked and loaded latino if you'd like to support the show you can go on subscribestar.com slash locked dash loaded dash latinos you can also hit us up on our um cash app it is uh locked loaded latinos as well i believe you can see that uh it's in our about section on the video but without further ado am i reading article one you're going to read part of article one so i believe it's going to be article one section one and two i'm reading section two as well section two is like really long uh, well but our, but section one is nothing <laughs> so you have to choose you're going to read it either way so i'm just adding one sentence from what you'd have to do next week this is this is where it is let me uh, bring it up over here you were prepared before i was here we go. So, Article 1 of the Constitution of the United States states, Section 1, all legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and House of Representatives. Section 2, if you remember, parts of Section 2 have been struck out because the three-fifths compromise that only considered uh, African uh, or you know African-American slaves only three-fifths of a person for population. That's obviously not 
uh, part of the Constitution anymore, but we read the Constitution as originally written. So Section 2, the House of Representatives shall be composed of members chosen every second year by the people of the several states and the electors in each state shall have the qualifications requisite for electors of the most numerous branch of the state legislature. No person shall be a representative who shall not have attained the age of 25 years and been, a, and been seven years a citizen of the United States and who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of that state in which he shall be chosen. Uh, representatives and direct, I, I believe that this almost entire section was actually taken out of the Constitution later on, the three-fifths compromise. Representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states which, which may be included within this union according to their respective numbers, which shall be determined by adding the whole number of free persons, including those bound to service for terms of years of service, uh, for service for a term of years and excluding Indians not taxed three-fifths of all other persons. The actual enumeration shall be made within three years after the first meeting of the Congress of the United States and within every subsequent term of 10 years in such manner as they shall uh, by law direct. The number of representatives shall not exceed one for every 30,000, but each state shall have at least one representative and until such enumeration shall be made, the state of New Hampshire shall be entitled to choose three, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Massachusetts blah, blah, eight. blah. Well, I'm going to let you skip this part because it's not as important. It just talks about the state. Rhode Island and Providence Plantations, one. Connecticut, five. New York, six. New Jersey, four. Pennsylvania, eight. Delaware, one. Maryland, six. Virginia, ten. North Carolina, five. South Carolina, five. And Georgia, three. What am I skipping? Am I skipping that part? The numbers? Yes, you can. Yeah, the states. Okay. Uh, when vacancy shall happen in the representation from any state, the executive authority thereof shall issue writs of election to fill such vacancies. The House of Representatives shall choose their speaker and other officers and shall have the sole power of impeachment. Yes, it is very long. I apologize. Uh, Constitución de los Estados Unidos de América. Artículo 1, sección 1. Todos los poderes legislativos otorgados en la presente Constitución corresponderán a un Congreso de los Estados Unidos que se comp compondrá de un Senado y una Cámara de Representantes. Sección 2. La Cámara de Representantes estará formada por miembros elegidos cada dos años por los habitantes de los diversos estados. Y los ele electores deberá deberán poseer en cada estado las condiciones requ requeridas para los electores de la rama más numerosa de la legislatura local. I don't know why I'm tripping all over myself. I'm sorry. No será representante ninguna persona que no haya cumplido 25 años de edad y sido ciudadano de los Estados Unidos durante 7 años y que no sea habitante del estado en el cual se le diseñe al tiempo de la elección. Los representantes y los impuestos directos se prorraterán entre los distintos estados que formen parte de, de esta unión de acuerdo con su población respectiva la cual se determinará sumando al número total de personas libres inclusivas las obligadas a prestar servicios durante cierto término de años y ex excluyendo a los indios no sujetos al pago de contribuciones las tres quintas partes de todas las personas restantes. El recuento deberá hacerse efectivamente dentro de los tres, 
tres años siguientes a la primera sesión del Congreso de los Estados Unidos en los sucesivos cada diez años en la forma que dicho cuerpo disponga por medio de una ley. El número de representantes no excederá de uno por cada 30,000 habitantes con tal que cada estado cuente con un representante cuanto menos y hasta que sea efectué dicho recuento. And then we're going to go into the numbers. Estado de nuevo en New Hampshire, etcétera, etcétera, etcétera. I'm not going to read that. Mm -hmm. Cuando ocurra... Cuando ocurran vacantes en la representación de cualquier estado, la autoridad ejecutiva del mismo expedirá un decreto en que se convocará a elecciones con el objeto de llenarse las. La Cámara de Representantes elegirá su presidente y demás funcionarios y será la única facultad facultada para declarar que hay lugar a proceder en los casos de responsabilidades oficiales. Yeah. Nice job. You did, you did well. You know, I really think it's just a reading thing, reading out loud thing versus a reading in Spanish of thing. I don't know if you guys have heard me speak, um, reading in English. I was reading in English one of the uh, HR things and I sounded exactly the same <laughs> where I'm talking like this. It's funny. Uh, so there you go. That is uh, Article 1, Sections 1 and 2 of the Constitution in English and in Spanish. All right. Well, we have reached, <laughs> we've reached the end of the show, so we'll close up with a little bit of housekeeping. Next week on Episode 36 of the Locked and Loaded Latinos Podcast, we are going to have... Oh, we're going to have Michael Wallace of MJ's Firearms. I'm really excited about this. I have to reach out to him and remind him. Mm -hmm. We first uh, met Michael at SHOT Show. Yes, we met and, Michael uh, at SHOT Show 2020. And Joe got to hang out with him a lot. He was uh, one of... He was at Ambassador Academy yes. and I got to know him very well. He's mm -hmm. really cool. Can't wait for you guys to um, hear him on the show. If you haven't uh, followed him before, check him out on Instagram, MJ's Firearms on Instagram. And he is the youngest FFL in America. Uh, and he's we also... A brand new shiny gun range owner yes. in Tennessee. So congratulations to him. Mm -hmm. uh, and also this week, I actually got a call from uh, Luis Valdez. He, he was a guest a few episodes ago. He's the Florida director of GOA, and he gun wants to. Uh, of yes, he wants to discuss a lot of the legislative bills that are going through the Florida, uh, Florida legislature this uh, right now, and that he's working against. So I will do a supplemental video. I don't know if it'll be alive. It'll depend on what time that we do it at. But at the very least, we'll post that video. It'll probably be 20 or 30 minutes of us talking with uh, Lewis and going over the various uh, bills that are circulating through the Florida State Legislature. So if you're part of the so, Sunshine State, check that out. Talk about... Well, that's a guest in the future. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's that's what he's working on. So, and then the week after that, we will be at the Florida Carry event. Um, Uh, so who's going to be there? Do we have a list? Uh, you going to make me read that again? Yeah, okay. We won't read it again. But uh, Go up the last week's episode. Yes, I last week's episode we went over. section of time. I don't even know what I did with the list. Uh, we went over it. We'll post some of that information. Check out Florida Carey's social media, uh, uh, social media websites, uh, Facebook, IG, and they have that information there. I'll make a post. I keep saying I'm going to do this, but I actually do it. Yes. A week after I say I'm going to do it. But I will make a post about the Florida Carry event. So if you follow me on Instagram, Latina Locked and Loaded, you can check it out there. I will be posting it this week. I believe. The details of who's going 
and where it's going to be and all that if you can't seem to find it on Florida Carries. Oh, got it. Oh, Here we go. I'm going to bring it up screen share right Where'd now. Where did you find it? They have it on their, they updated it on their page now? Uh, they, well, see, this is the problem with Florida Carry. They, I love them, but they're a little bit crazy sometimes. They posted it on their store. They posted the pamphlet on their oh, store page. So Florida awesome. Carry okay. store, but not their actual Florida Carry main page. So there you go. This is, uh, these are some of the speakers. Eric Pratt, Craig DeLuce, Amanda Sefkul, Dan Wass, Patrick Collins, Amy Dillon, Jan Morgan, Holly Wojcik, Cheryl Todd, James Phillips, David Smith, and Paul Lathrop. So That's not all of them. No, that's like not. half of them. Yeah, that's half of there's them. There's many, many, many more. So there's the address. Again, this is at Florida, the Florida Carry store. They've got this right there. Sorry, I banged my mic there. It's in the Runaway Campers mm-hmm. facility in Summerfield, Florida. Yep. So if you are in the bi-state area... Yep, because that's that's kind of in the middle of Florida. So if you're in Georgia, it's probably just as far, or maybe even slightly closer to Georgia, the Georgia state line than we are, than we are in proximity. So uh, definitely check it out. Depending on how things are there, we may attempt to do our show live during that. So that would be on a Saturday during the day, which will be a little bit different. Uh, if there isn't good enough reception, and uh, really, we're gonna try that. We can attempt it, but I know we can't live stream normally through YouTube because you have to have at least a thousand subscribers to be able to do a YouTube mobile live stream. So I may try to tether if there's Wi-Fi there, we can try to do like a live stream from there. Uh, If not, at the very least, we're going to try to interview most of the guests there and we'll set up a video where we can go over those interviews or maybe show you kind of the rough stuff during our oh, live stream. Oh, you mean we're not going to do our actual normal episode? I if, was going to say it's Saturday. Yes. So if we were able to record, then obviously oh. that's going to be so much content that that would be a show that week. Well, we can make an additional show. Well, we can do that. It depends on when we get back to remember. We'll figure it out, yeah, guys. So, but we'll let you know what deals with that. So... Uh, at the very least, we're going to get content from there. So whether it's live or we we're record going to it and interview post it them. There, if you want to ask live. questions, drop your questions in our comments. Yep, definitely. Yeah, seriously, though, if you have any questions you'd like us to direct to any of the speakers, we're going to try to talk to them and um, have fun. Yeah. And then if uh, if anybody else happens to want to go, let us know. We can try to hang out or something. Say hello Impromptu to us. Impromptu meetup. Yeah. Bring cigars. Yeah. So if you want to hang out, if you want to, you know, uh, chill out afterwards or say hello, feel free to do it because we will be there. And so will a lot of other cool people. So you get to meet some great people in the gun community. So without further ado, that is the show for tonight. Thank you for joining us on episode 35 of the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast. As always, you guys are fantastic and we look forward to seeing you next week. Joe, do you have anything to say here? You just kind of went out there. (laughs) Uh, No, we're going to leave that one alone. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much again, everyone, and have a wonderful weekend evening. We look forward to seeing you all and producing some more for you guys to see. And go out there, write your congressman. Don't let them pass these laws without a fight and, uh, and, you know, spread the word. That's the best that we can do. Thank you all and God bless.